You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. You're back. Yeah, hello. You didn't lock yourself out of the apartment. Well, I don't have a lock on my door anymore. Oh. <laughs> I just like to imagine that you were just like caveman with a hammer. Just like, you saw the picture. I know. The I know exactly. Yeah, we talked man. about it on podcast yeah. last week. Yeah, I did hit it with a hammer once, but it didn't do anything. So <laughs> you just dented it? Started, yeah. So I started ripping it apart with pliers. I shredded that thing. You going to get a code lock now where you like enter a code to get in? I'm going to have... Uh, painter's tape instead, <laughs> and I'm just going to tape the door shut when I want it shut. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Didn't I have a backup doorknob that does not have a lock on it. So mm. didn't weren't there like screws in it? You could have just unscrewed yeah, on the inside of the room. Oh yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to have to kick the door down. The door's like paper mache. Like I could have pushed it. I could probably could have blown hard enough to knock it over. But then you have to buy a new door, and that's more yeah. expensive than that. Yeah. Took some aggression out on the doorknob. It's okay. Yeah. It worked. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Today at the table, we have myself. I'm Landon. We have Zach to my left. We have Zach to my right. Because he's the right Zach. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And we have David sitting across from me. Hello. So David is a rod builder. Bimini Custom Rods is the name of your business. Yes, sir. And you've been full-time rod building for how long now? Uh, going on 31 years now. 31 years. Yes, sir. But we're going to talk to David about that a little bit later. Before we get into that, we'll talk about what's been going on and give some updates. As far as drinks go today... Uh, it's a mix? It's a mix. Um, I have too many bottles in my cabinet. People think I'm an alcoholic. And to help uh, resolve that... We are reducing my inventory by finishing off the bottles that have barely anything left. So I appreciate your guys' assistance today, but we're kind of all over the place, and all this stuff we've already reviewed on the podcast, but we're just going to help me out and finish some bottles. So um, here you go. What? Zach. Am I going to read it? We got a gift, and I want you to read the note. Oh, okay. It says, uh, first of all, it's a very nice little note. It says fishful thanking at top with like Ooh. a nice little nice little trout up there. It says Landon and Honey Hole crew. Hope all is well. This sauce is a special one because it actually fermented for nine months. It contains seven types of peppers, but is actually very mild with all the fruit, citrus, and longer ferment. I hope you guys enjoy. Tight lines from our buddy Jack. Uh let's see. Uh, peppers in the sauce are ahi, fantasy, pequeño, bishop's crown, habanero, fish, fatali, and a uh, hybrid of pequeña and fatali. So cool. I'm excited. Fish? It says fish. Like F-I-S-H? Yeah. Huh. We started off with ahi. Oh, he's tuna. Yeah. Yeah, A-J-I. 
Aji oh, or uh, oh. maybe it's Aji Fantasy. Oh, okay, good. I don't know. Maybe it's an acronym. <laughs> no, no, only one letter's capitalized. Oh, just the A. Sorry, Mr. actually, Teacher. just the J is no. <laughs> it's a weird middle of the word capitalization. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I wasn't paying attention hardly, but I don't think I recognized any of those pepper names, honestly. At Not all. Even habanero. I re- okay. I recognize that one now that you say it again. Yeah. So our buddy uh, Jack grows his own peppers. Cool. Then makes his own hot sauce, and he sent it to us to uh, taste test today. Cool. It's a nice color. The last time he sent us hot sauce, that was back in the days of Cliff being on the podcast. It was, and that was good. That was good hot sauce too. It was, but Cliff got nightmares after eating the hot sauce. He did, yeah, and it was fermented as well. Interesting. So. Here. You know that that Take hot sauce is, is the right color for uh, a carp fly. Just saying, it's a good color. It does and have good color. Apply your own amount. How much is Lana gonna do? Just a dab will do you. If I can get it out, I'll go Ooh. nuts. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Spank the bottom. <laughs> good job. He's going. Crazy I'll start there. That. He's getting going real cra- crazy. Are we all doing it at one time? Yeah, we'll do it all at right. one time. Let me get some napkins in case we make it a mess. Come on. You got a Heinz 57 at. Maybe hit it on the angle of it. You know, like the little little neck of it. What do you mean? Like, you know, like in the bottle. Like, you know, like the glass oh. bottles of ketchup. You have to hit right here. Right there? Yeah. But you have to put it at an angle. Oh. 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 Is that working? It's <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of going everywhere. It's kind of all over the table. <laughs> I'm going to need to microwave that bottle for a minute. Why? So it, it uh, like, it's thins out. So we can get it out of the bottle. That's why. There it goes. <laughs> Did you go with the... Um, I want the slap. Little spank. Got my shirt, too. See, that's the way you do it. You guys sat there and struggling for forever. Listen, I eat Cholula, okay? <laughs> Stuff's like liquid. You guys ready? Let's do it. It smells nice. It smells really good. Oh, man. Kind of like a mango. Yeah. Do you, do you taste that? Yeah. Mango it is, strawberry. It's mango strawberry. Oh, okay, cool. See, that shows you I was not paying attention earlier. That is really good. Yeah, mine's pretty bit good. Heavier on this round. Yep, I could take. A Here's some more crackers if you guys. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you retell it? Um, he doesn't have like a website or anything. It's kind of like friends and family. He does sell the bottles, mm-hmm. but I don't think he has, you know. Makes enough to. That's a good hot sauce. Yeah. Man. Nine months fermented. Oh. Okay. I'm not going to be greedy. It really, it's not, it really is. It's kind of mild. I mean, like, there's like a a warming, but it's not like a melt your mouth off. It's a good, it's a good heat level for me. Like, it's not overwhelmingly hot. I could, like, pile this stuff up and not be. Actually, it's refreshing. Right? Isn't that weird? Mm. It's like drinking a lemonade or something. 
Because I don't usually use a lot of peppers like that because they have like the, I don't know what it is, like vinegar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like too much vinegar or too much something. Yeah. That tastes pretty good. That's good yeah. stuff right there. His last one he made us was like pretty spicy. Yeah. Yeah. And Cliff had nightmares from it? Yeah, because it, it was fermented. fermented. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what is that? I don't understand. Why would that? Apparently, it's a thing. And like he, he had like the hot sauce on three occasions. And every night after he had the hot sauce, he had, like, horrible nightmares. And he normally doesn't get nightmares. Really? That's interesting. So it, we figured it was something. I, th- I think we, like, looked it up and, like, maybe found out it was something to do with, like, the fermentation of it can give you nightmares or something weird. So interesting. everybody report back if you have nightmares tonight. <laughs> so I'm not a good candidate. I have nightmares a lot. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why. I eat too much sugar maybe. I don't know. but So... I won't know if it's caused by the hot sauce or not. Uh-oh. I got a little crazy with it. It kind of exploded on me. Throw on my pants. That's some of the best hot sauce I've ever had, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty good. For my wrist, my watch. Yeah, that's good. I don't remember his Instagram handle. He's got a YouTube channel, though. Mm-hmm. And he, like, shows how he makes his hot sauces and everything like that. You know what that would be really good on? Like some fish tacos. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, oh or yeah, like shrimp quesadillas or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. Mm. Oh man, that's the move right there. Yeah. yeah, I'm into that. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Jack. We'll link all of his stuff. I can't remember his YouTube channel name off the top of my head and stuff, but we'll link it in the description so you guys can go check it out because he shows how he grows the peppers and makes all the hot sauces and that's really really cool stuff. So, thanks, Jack. Uh, what have you guys been up to this past week? Well, we did something. Yeah, we saw Oppenheimer. We s- yep, we did. We Don't talk it. about it. Don't talk about it. Okay. Have you not seen it yet? No, not yet, but I want to. I'll say we saw it on 70 millimeter and IMAX, and it was awesome. Yeah? It was fantastic. Okay. I want to see it really bad. But this is one I don't normally care to go to theaters. I will. It's not that I don't want to. I just might as well. If I'm going to spend $15 at the movie theater, I might as well spend 20 and own the DVD and just watch it whenever I want. So This is definitely a movie theater uh, a movie theater movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would definitely go see it in theaters. Yes, I agree. And we can talk about it more. We can bring back our other podcast, Field and Streaming, and talk yeah. about it more in depth. <laughs> maybe but I'll, maybe I'll go see it. No, not tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday. Maybe yeah. maybe sometime next week. But with that being said, uh, just quick discussion on the film without giving anything away. Where do you think it ranks on Christopher Nolan's list of films? Like oh, like personally for me? Yeah, for you. Um, probably top three. Top three? Yeah. What are your top three? I really like Inception and Dark Knight would would probably be above it. Mm-hmm. Above Dark Knight? No, like it would oh, probably dark. go Dark Knight, Inception. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. And honestly, this is probably a better movie than Inception. Inception is just so much fun. I haven't seen Inception either, but it's. You've never seen Inception? No, I don't watch a lot of movies. I really don't. I would have to say, if I'm being honest, I would say that Interstellar is probably number one for me. Oh, I forgot Interstellar. And this movie's number two, followed closely by like uh, Inception and maybe Memento and Dark Dark Knight, like following behind it. Yeah, it was good. We'll talk about it more on the other podcast. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, Go see I'll check it. it out. 
I'll go see it again with you if you want to go see it. Yeah, let's go right yeah. now. <laughs> let's go All right, right now. later, guys. <laughs> it was fun. See you next week. So, uh, Zach, what else have you been up to? So then, uh, Kim and I went to visit the in-laws in Houston. Went to the NASA museum. Okay, how was NASA for you? It was good. Last time I was there was 20 years ago. And I don't remember the actual exhibits. I just remember the huge interactive tower for kids where you can, like, you know, land the pr- the, the probes and stuff <laughs> like that. So it was really cool. I got really into it, went through everything. And then we did the mission control tour. Okay. So that was really cool. We got to actually go and, like, sit where the VIP, like, the families of, like, the Apollo 11 mission sat. And we got to see... So it was the Apollo Mission Control Center. Yes. Okay. Yep. Didn't we talk about this already? Yeah, because I went a couple months ago. <coughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. Man, everybody's going to NASA. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Gabe went last <laughs> week too, or the week before, or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's cool. It's worth going to. Man, I just like had a complete freak out in my mind. I was like, dude, I swear <laughs> we talked about <laughs> this <laughs> before, man. <laughs> How was the flat Earth presentation? It was good. Yeah, longer than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then after that, uh, Wednesday, we went to see the Rangers-Astros game, which was really fun. Uh, her whole family is big Astros fans. Or no, sorry. Big Rangers fans. I would get mad if I said that. Um, and so we were there. Um, Astros won the first two games, and then uh, Rangers had a pretty exciting game. I've seen a lot of things going to games. That was the first time I've seen uh, the benches clear. In a game, so that was cool. I saw from the footage and everything, the bench is clear, but were there ever any punches thrown? No. Uh, in baseball, it rarely are, is a punch thrown. Normally, it's just a whole bunch of, like, getting each other's face, and then then the bullpen's clear, and then at that point, you're just like, all right, I'm just waiting for the bullpens to go back to their yeah. spot now. But we had really good seats. We were, like, 10 rows back from the Rangers side dugout, so that was cool. Okay. Nice. Yep, and it was a good game to watch. It was a grand slam. Like I said, the bench is cleared. And were you rooting for the Rangers or for the Astros? Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're you know Giants are my number one. I place in my heart. But uh, when I'm with her family and if the Rangers are playing, I'll root, I'll root for the Rangers. And then um, when it gets to postseason, if the Astros are in and the Giants and Rangers aren't, then I'll root for the Astros. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. See a Texas team do well. But it's fun with the Rangers being good. Plus, the manager of the Rangers right now is the Giants manager when we won our three uh, World Series. Okay. So it's kind of cool to see him kind of like make a resurgence, and then the Rangers are doing so well this year. So it's it's neat. Yeah. Who's their manager? Bruce Bochy. Oh, for the Rangers? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was with the Giants for a long time, uh, and then we won 2010, 12, and 14. And then we kind of lost some big key players, and then uh, he got fired. Yeah, we had a pretty bad season. They let him go after that. Got to win. Got to win. But he's doing really, really well with the Rangers, and they have the right pieces. What have you been up to, dude? All I've been doing is tying flies and fishing. I've been noticing. That's it. Uh, Lucia's dad is coming next month. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we've been, like, hitting it hard because he'll be here for a week. So the first part of that week, she's going to take him to catch, like, they're going to, I think they're going to go try to catch carp one day, and he wants to catch Guadalupe bass, which I got to talk about Guadalupe here in a minute. But, yeah. like, cichlids and stuff. And then the second half of the week, we're, we've got an Airbnb in Aranza's Pass. 
So just been basically getting ready, make sh- making sure I've got all the flies we need. And me and her have been hitting a lot of spots, trying to find easily accessible spots that they can get to without having to drive forever to find some fish. So, yeah, that's all I've been doing. Well, I saw that you uh, you had a goal in mind last week, and you were pretty successful. A what? A goal in mind, and you were pretty successful. You wanted to get on some good size cichlids. Well, the goal was to find some urban carp. Um, and cichlids was like the secondary. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, we found consolation prize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it was we found some carp, but the casting was the casting wasn't bad. It was the landing of the fish that would not have been very good because I'm not getting in the water that we were at. That's oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we backed off of the carp and then went for cichlids. We found a actually kind of stumbled across them. We were looking, and we walked up to the edge and was like, oh, shit, there they are right there. And caught a bunch of decent, you know, small to medium size, and then I just kind of blind cast out there and was pulling it in, and bam, I got nailed. And that thing, man, it had at least 10 inches. You know, it was huge. Um, it was cool. And you've been tying a lot of carp flies, too. Yeah. I it's posting a lot. It's, I, think, I think we're going to go with uh, blacklisted. His his suggestion. It was the bush goblin. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. that's the right move. Yeah, that's a good cool. name. Uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm like completely addicted. I can't like I keep sitting down to tie like shrimp and stuff. No nope, carp fly comes out every single time. How does it feel to be back in the game? Because you took a retirement for a while. Yeah, it's it's cool. Feels good. Yeah, yeah. It's stressful, man. Why is Why? it stressful? Because trying to come up with, or not come up with, but trying to find different patterns to tie all the time, dude, that's stressful. Like, if I'm going to, if I make a goal to post a different fly every day of the week, that's hard. Yeah, we talked about this, though. You just got to go back and reinvent. Yeah. I'm back I'm into the old books. And the that, that's a self-imposed pressure, though. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the end game? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to get get anything out of it. It's just fun, <laughs> right? See, so if it gets yeah. stressful, just yeah. You don't have there. to post every day. Yeah, but that's. But then I don't meet my goal. See, the okay. Goal that you so set. You, you yeah, you set the goal. It's not necessarily to like be famous or or get a lot of followers right. or whatever. And I was trying to tell Lou this too. Like to get better at tying something, you have to keep tying it. So my goal is to sit down and tie two or three flies every single day. And the, the motivating factor is to be able to post a picture on Instagram every single day. That way, like, I hold myself accountable. So I have to sit down and tie a fly. So now I've, like, got cart flies mastered. But there's only, like, 20 different patterns out there. So it's – I'm running out of ideas. Yeah. So if anybody has any ideas, send them in. Let me know. Yeah, it's cool. They're they're fun to tie, too. They're a lot of fun to tie. Yeah, cart flies are fun. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, because, I mean, like, they're kind of like bass flies. If you're not doing bait fish, you just stick with basic colors. Have you ever looked at a carp fly before? Yeah. <laughs> they're just, like, small. I would compare tiny, them more to, like, redfish flies. Bass flies. Yeah, yours are pretty mm. decorative. Yeah, they're more like redfish flies or even bonefish. Actually, there is a fly I tied on a bonefish hook, and it's in, like, shrimpy, crabby colors. I guarantee you I could take it to the coast and catch redfish on it. Oh, yeah. It's a carp fly, a carp pattern, but I guarantee I could take it to the coast, catch a redfish. And yeah, dude, right, you could catch a redfish on just about anything. Yeah. No, you can't. Any carp fly. Have you ever caught one on a midge? <laughs> on a midge? Could. Yeah. 
No, but I've seen guys okay. catch them on Barbie okay. head dolls. Okay, okay well, that's different. It's got a lot of hair hanging off the back of it. <laughs> it looks true. like a mullet at that point. Oh, I did. I went fishing. Did you see what I did? Nobody Go saw what I. <laughs> Forget it. It's over. Why is it over? Whoosh. You said a Barbie head. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, because it looks like a mullet. Ha 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 ha. That's pretty uh, good. Shut uh, up. It's <laughs> not as funny when you have don't to explain it. Don't give me the pity. Don't give me the pity. I like that. I just didn't hear the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Push the uh, Creature Watch video button. Tell us about aliens. Apparently, Ooh. that's a thing now. Yes. Now, my long nightmare is no longer coming to an end. It is going to get more real. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So I forgot about that. Yeah, the thing I am most terrified in the world is legit. So, uh, a retired major, David Grush, he is kind of like the whistleblower for this. He, um, he, let's see, <coughs> he was an intelligence officer, and he retired, but he met before Congress this week and said that there are UFOs in America's possession. There are non-human life forms in American uh, and U.S.'s possession, as well as some other artifacts as well. So non-human life forms, like non non. Uh, what's the word? So not animal, not of this earth. Okay, not earthlings. Right. Okay. But so it's not like a chihuahua. Yeah, right. <laughs> like a shaved yeah, chihuahua. Like a yeah. chihuahua was fine, this UFO. <laughs> <laughs> we, right. we collected it. We saw it in the UFOs, like, <laughs> on a wire. <laughs> what now, is that, man bear pig? Anyway. And so. they said uh, that a lot of this can actually date back to the 30s. And so they've known that there's something out there from the 30s on, essentially. So why now? Like, what's the... Why now? Because, I don't know. Maybe. Why is he coming forward at this point in time? What's uh, his motivations? They're saying that because the American people need to know. Has he been polygraphed by chance? Like, oh, how know. do we know this guy's not psycho? We don't, but, I mean, hey, if Tom DeLong's on that, I guess I got to get behind it, right? I don't know who that is. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm, like, away from the rest of the world. The lead singer of Blink-182. Oh, I do know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you see my reaction now? Well, I'm like, yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah. he left Blink-182 10 years ago to go search for aliens. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 And they rejoined with them like two years ago. But Did he find yeah. any? Do what? <laughs> yeah, did he, he, he said he did. He said he found <laughs> some stuff, and he's going to be releasing it shortly. That's what he's been sending out today. So That's um, what George R. R. Martin keeps saying about the last book of Game of Thrones. <coughs> I told the aliens. No, no, no. That <laughs> I'm gonna re- I'm gonna release it shortly, and that was 13 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Tom DeLonge, I imagine, will probably probably show something. I don't know if it's because all of these Air Force and Navy pilots are showing their own footage of like weird things. I don't know if maybe they're using this as a w- and, you know we can get real conspiracy theory. You know, maybe they're using this as a way to cover up other stuff that's about to go down in our in our world, and so we're all sitting here thinking about aliens. Or I just want to go fix my garage. I don't know what. It'll get you the, your, your mind off the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you guys, before before this story came out, do you guys believe in aliens? Like, do you believe they're out there? Uh, yeah. Like, I agree. I don't think that 
well, and prior to this knowledge, I didn't think they probably had a way of, of making it to Earth. But, like, just statistically, you look out there and you see, right, every little dot out there isn't just always a sun or a star. It could be a galaxy. Right. And there are billions of galaxies w- out there. Well, and each galaxy has billions of stars. So, yes, you're telling me that we're the only thing that no happened way. to form in the no, right there way? There is something out there. But I'm going to ask you this. So you said you didn't think there was a way they could get to us. Do you think in, like, 1850 they thought we could get to the moon? Oh, yeah, no. Exactly. Right. So, hey, man, you never know. Right. So that's like so prior to this, I would have been like, oh, no, they're light years away. I don't necessarily know if light speed is capable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there are certain things I personally just don't know if they're feasible like i don't think time travel is really going to be feasible maybe it is outside of like our perception of gravity and the way it changes time you know but mm. yeah i don't need to go backwards no <laughs> I, I it would just slow down time or speed it up i don't necessarily know if you could go like back through it you know what i mean yeah. i i hope there's aliens out there because if not like that's bad news if there's not because that means we're either like in the front of the line and we're going to fail miserably as humans, yeah. or the people in front of us failed miserably and we're headed in that direction. So, I mean, I guess either way, it doesn't matter. We're already a rogue experiment. Yeah. Maybe. We're, tr- we're being Truman showed. <laughs> Dude, don't joke like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're just being watched by aliens. <laughs> oh no, no. We, we are like other planets' enjoyment, like all the crap that goes on here. They're like they're like watch, tuning into our podcast right now, like yeah. laughing at us, like what a joke these guys are. <laughs> okay, now there is joke. there is a Scion TC in San Antonio. I don't know this person. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they live. Uh-huh. And I, there's no way there's more than one of these cars. But the bottom is orange. From the doors down is orange. From the doors up is black. Mm-hmm. I see that car everywhere I go. I could be like on the far south side, I run into that car somewhere. I could be on the far north side, I run into that car somewhere. You know who somewhere. he sounds like? Dude, that I'm episode you, of bro. King of the Hill where Dale thinks that like one the of those cars was out a, to get yeah, me. It was yeah, exactly. No, no, he he finds like a guy with a car like that and thinks that it's like being run by aliens. Well, I didn't say that. I'm just saying <laughs> Truman show though. <laughs> mm. right. I see this but car why, everywhere why you, though. Cuz I'm I don't know. I'm Yeah, just, why you? Listen, man, I'm just telling you <laughs> I see this car everywhere. And they want to make and watch you make olive-colored flies, flies all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would want to see. Hey, that somebody all day. does. I yeah, would I do too. It. I like. It. I can tell these you guys are idiots. They spend their time put tying <laughs> feathers to a hook. Listen, <laughs> I posted <laughs> trick of fish. Trick I posted fish? an olive-colored fly this morning. I can tell you, at least seventy-five people want to see that. Oh, at I the know. Very least. Yeah, and maybe six of them are aliens. <laughs> oh, speaking. Of, okay, like, have you guys watched Jury Duty yet? Yes, Jury Duty so is good. one of my favorite shows yes. of all time. But it's a little like Truman Show esque. No, no, that's when people. When I try to describe it to people, I don't want to describe. I just want people to watch it. I and tell them like, they Truman Show a guy, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "In real life, they real life Truman Show a guy." Have you guys heard real of life? it? No. Okay. So wait, is this like a like a reality thing, or is it? <sighs> Fictional. It is scripted. Well, I guess Truman Show. W- if it, it was is real, scripted would be except fictional. for one, one person. person. Oh, and he does they, not know. They make a guy believe. Oh, dude, that's. It's so good. You need to watch it. I don't it, know. It's no, like eight no. episodes, like twenty minutes long. What's yeah. it on? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Oh, yeah, it's free though. It's free V. So even if you don't have a Prime account, you can still watch it. So yeah, they make a guy believe that he is on a real jury, and he is not. 
That's pretty much all I'm going to say. Yeah. They throw shenanigans at him. The best part of the show is that the guy is super likable. Yeah. And he tries to do the right thing all the time. But everybody that you see in the show that is not this guy is an actor, and everything else is scripted. How do they pull this off? You just have to watch it. You just have to watch is it. it like, is it like— They almost <laughs> fail so many times. Yeah. Is it like hidden camera? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, also like they, shirt button camera? or No, like, no, no. Like, they, they explain it. Okay. But like, essentially, like, they tell him, like, oh, well, we got special permission from this judge to film this jury. Ah, oh, okay. And so okay. then they kind of do, like— um, like a documentary style where like they're like, okay, so we're also going to interview our uh, jurors during the course of this trial. Yeah. And so that way it's not unusual if they pull a few jurors and maybe they're just like rehearsing lines or something. You right. Know? But it's kind of Taking cool. a lunch break. Yeah. No, really, they do yeah. because like they have to legally have a yeah. not timed lunch and break. And all like all the other jurors are actors. Right. And so they're like. They have time off at the end. Yeah, like, some of them go home to their families at the yeah. end of the night. He's going back to a hotel because he thinks he's being isolated for this jury because he can't, like, go out into the public. Do you think his family's in on it? No. They they make it worth his while, though. Okay. And I don't he's, think he has a family because he doesn't talk about, like, a wife or girlfriend or kids when he's on the show. Everybody wants would, him to be the next Bachelor. Would you want to talk <laughs> about wife or girlfriend or kids if you're, like, potentially facing a, a f- uh, criminal of some kind? Well, no, because like, th- it's not all not? in the oh, okay, room. Okay. Like they go, they go out to eat and they go uh, different places and okay. stuff like that. Yep. Are jurors even allowed to like mingle with each other outside of the courtroom? Yeah. Yeah, they're just not allowed to talk about the case. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Typically. And which is like it's yeah, you're not supposed to. You should just watch it. Believe yeah. me. I, I I'm say not it is worth your time to watch it. It's like three hours long in total. It's worth it. Okay. Yeah, you can watch it all like you're watching a movie. Yeah, and it's free. It's shorter I mean, than free it's shorter Amazon. than Oppenheimer in the theater. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I can handle that. <laughs> if you watch every episode back yes. to back, it's shorter. Dude, I'm like, I'm like a dog that sees a squirrel, man. Like, if I get distracted by something, whatever I was doing initially is gone. I'll never come back to it. Watching a TV show, I'm either all in or I get bored in the first. Watch half the first hour. episode. If you don't like it, then the rest of it's more of the same. Okay. But watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. It is worth yeah. it. Okay. I'll check it out. It sounds interesting. It reminds me of that uh, kind of a reverse role, actually. But 60 Days In, do you guys ever see that? No. It's when they take uh, an informant, basically. They pick, like, okay, so you, Zach, you sign up for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they incar- like put you in jail. And you can't blow your cover, but you're basically you're trying to be like the eyes on the inside. Yeah, so it's it reminds me of that, just flipped opposite. Yeah, one don't guy doesn't no. Don't drop the soap. Yeah, dude, there's some crazy <laughs> shit that happens in that show. I want to tell you that. <laughs> I believe it, dude. I believe it. Dude, it's kind of scary. It makes you never want to go to prison. <laughs> If you were thinking, did you about want it. to before? No, no, I didn't. But now I really don't want to. I drive five under the speed limit everywhere I go, just because of this one reason. <laughs> <sighs> nope, never going to jail. Not after seeing that. But, but it's called jury duty, right? Back jury to duty. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Cool. I didn't mean to derail everything. No, no, no that was that was a that was a like, worth it derailment. Yeah. I love jury duty. I was like, I just watched this like four days ago. I'm going to check it out. Dude, I went to the Guad this morning. How was that? And? 
Yeah, you told us you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, it's depressing. Dude, oh, it, it's like yeah. dry. Well, I heard Canyon oh, Lake sure. was almost at its lowest level yeah. ever. Yeah, well, really? okay. So you guys know where the $5 spot is, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? You're driving toward. That's been, that's been dry for. A I long typically time. go to the ten dollars spot myself, but yeah, go on. we don't. We all don't work for an insurance company. Okay? <laughs> 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 no, so if you're driving toward like Johnson City, like Blanco, Johnson City, uh, on the right there was still water there. It was skinny, but there was still water. Uh, and on the left, there's it's a little bit deeper. Um, but that, and I live out there. I'm surprised I hadn't noticed this yet. But on the right, it's completely dry. There is no water over there. That's crazy. On the right, going up, going up. Yeah, yeah. Wow. it's completely dry. At least from what I saw, I, I didn't get a long look at it. But um. Man, which is tough. weird because I feel like this spring we had quite a bit of rain. Like it was almost raining oh, every no, every day for a while. Now it never downpoured, and like like a three hour thunderstorm where it drops like five inches right, and everything floods. But it was like. And every day we get a shower for like thirty minutes, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually really good." I feel like all of April. Yeah, like all rained. of April it rained, but it wasn't really. It wasn't like a, uh, a recharging rain. It was like just enough to be really annoying and for me to miss work. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, man. I just felt like it was like always raining constantly yeah. all the time. Yeah. No, we need something. I mean, okay, I'm gonna start by saying I don't want anybody to have any misfortune. I don't want anybody to be hurt or lose anything. But we need a hurricane season. I don't want them to make landfall, right? But we no. need we need like storms, man. Dude, <sighs> hurricane for me would be. You're already off the grid anyway. Nobody ever hears from you. We anymore. just really wanted low to come from Mexico. Yeah, we over need the, something over, over the mountains. That's yeah. the best ones. Those are big. Those are the big rainwater <laughs> makers. Big water makers. Big storms. There. We need it. We need it to to really. Come Hurricanes down. is going to flood Houston again. That's all that's going to be. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like we had more rain. This year than we did last year, no, and no. I feel like the rivers are doing worse There's this, this year. year because I agree year. with it's that. The heat. Well, we had yeah. the, we had thirty days in a row last year know, of like unprecedented heat. It started way earlier this no, year. No, it's hotter this year. Yeah. 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 Hell, one year or one day I was out there a couple weeks ago and the heat index hit like one seventeen. Yeah. It's hotter. It's like last year. I feel like it was like one hundred one, one hundred two for yeah, a while. No, it's way hotter. It's been this like one hundred eight, one hundred nine consistently yeah. for days. Since you know. And it's been 100 degrees at June. 9 p.m. too. Yeah. The our end of May June, was right? real. Our, yeah. yeah, our May and the first week or two of June were really pleasant, and then yeah. after that it's just been brutal. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's scary. After seeing what I saw today, because I was out there two or three weeks ago, and it, it wasn't that – I mean, it was bad, but there was water, you know, and it was moving. It wasn't really? just stagnant. Okay, so I was out two yeah. weeks ago, so it's changed that much over yeah, the time. Yeah, just in a couple of weeks. Like, there's spots that are just – I'll show you guys pictures – Last time I was there, again, the last two or three weeks, it was flowing. There was a riffle in this spot. Now it's bone dry. I actually saved a Helgramite. I was walking down the river, and I saw, like, a little like, cavern almost with the rocks. Like, it was piled up. It looked like a little igloo. I was like, what the hell? So I lifted it up, and there was a big old Helgramite in there, cool. like, on the dry land. Yeah. So you put it in the water? I put him in the water. Wow, round of applause. That's Zach. one of my favorite bugs, man. I'm not going to let them die. Yeah. yeah. Helgr- Helgramites are cool. <laughs> They're cool. Yeah. They die in a little bit. They look like aliens. Oh. They kind of do. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's the uh, <laughs> life form he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> He's just been, must be hanging out at Landon's house, throwing back the medicine to his alcohol for anybody that doesn't get the. <laughs> yep. Speaking of. I need to pick something else. You guys need to help me. I oh brought this out so that way. Hey, we've already finished one bottle. Yeah, no, two bottles. We finished yeah, two this bottles. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, that E.H. Taylor's good stuff. For everybody at home, we have like <coughs> 20 bottles of like... 20 is, is an over-exaggeration. Yeah, okay, it's for content. They don't know. I People already think I'm alcoholic when they open the uh, the cabinet. <laughs> because you guys always bring bottles and then leave them. Yeah, it's my favorite pastime. <laughs> I just like the way this one smells. I'm not going to drink it, but this 1,800 tequila is... Zach, Zach is doing very little to help the cause. Yeah, he yeah. is not helping at all. By not drinking? Yeah. Didn't I just tell you I don't want to go to jail? I have to drive home after this. Smell good? <laughs> it does smell really good, though. A little bit of time. Hey, do you smell this one. <sighs> you could finish that one. No, I can't. I'm not going to. I love that. There you go. Mm-hmm. That smells nice. Yep, it smells good. <laughs> All right. David, let's move over to talk about what you do. So tell us a little bit about the background of your rod building okay. business. Uh, uh, well, I, you know, of course, own Bimini Custom Fishing Rods. Uh, been doing it for like I said, thirty-one years now. Thirty-one years you've been building rods. Thirty-one years in business. Uh, been doing it for thirty-six, but thirty-one full time. How many people do you know that have been doing it longer than you have? Uh, you know, generally with this business, most guys start it when they're old or they're retired. I started when I was twenty-five. Okay. So you know, it's 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 kind of a different you know the way the way it works, but. there's a lot of people my age that, that do it now, but um, there's and there's the, you know, the the rod building has really in the last 15 years taken off with the internet and stuff. So everybody can so they see your, the stuff. Everything's so much different as far as knowing what's going on. Before, you know, we had we relied on magazines or relied on a book, and now everything's on YouTube. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you can know. you can build a rod yeah, off you YouTube build, now. You can build a rod off YouTube like yep. I fix the refrigerator or a heater or a, you know microwave or something. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. But uh, yeah, I've been doing that for 32 years. Uh, I'm gonna hope you know homegrown business. I stayed you know stay working out of my house. You know I don't have the big overhead where I still charge a lot, but I don't have the overhead to really have to you know bust open on my prices and stuff. So yeah. that yep. kind of helps my my consumer a little bit, you know. But I still at one time I was one of the most expensive rod builders around. But fortunately for me, other guys have gotten more expensive, yeah. so which is good, you know. But yep. I don't need a I take care of my clients pretty good. So what got you interested in rod building? You said at 25 years old? Yep, 25. At 25 years old, which uh, would have been five years ago for me, as a 25-year-old, what got you like, man, I want to do this all the time. All the time. You don't have to rub the age difference. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'll be 58 this year, by the way. But uh, I, I was a shark fisherman when I first started fishing. I didn't really fish. I shark fished. And so I didn't fish for redfish, trout, none of that stuff. So... You know, I got introduced to bigger tackle right away, and then the bigger tackle that I saw was mostly custom rods. You know, the Roy's bait and tackle, Roy Guerra from down the coast is the one that was that would build that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would see some of the stuff, and he built me my first three rods. Okay. Because at that time I didn't full do it full time. I was working for the government, so you know I was you know that's that was that was the source. To get what we yeah, needed. so you know about aliens then, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen one or two. That's for, that's for sure. You know, I can, so that's a whole different story. A whole different, a whole different chapter there. You know, I've seen a lot. But, yeah, uh, so you know, we just started from there, and it, I came into town and found somebody that was local that sold components, and uh, he lent me a book that he had for rod building, and I just took off from there. And there was a local store that sold yeah, components. Yeah, back then, back in the— what, was, what store was that? It was called Brian's Fishing. Okay. It was, in, it was in the Eisenhower flea market. 
up there off, off Eisenhower and 35. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in, in there a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was the store was out of there. And uh, it was just an old man that, that had a little shop. Actually, it was a big shop because it was a resale shop. He, back then, it was pretty good. And still, like, instead of eBay, this guy would re- resell used what's, tackle. What's the uh, big uh, epoxy guy? That Isn't he from here, too, or is he from Austin? Um, epoxy guy? Um, who started here. And his son started Yeti. Oh, that's a... Uh, uh, What's the name of that epoxy? Uh, Cedars is the old man. Uh, the epoxy is a uh, flex coat. Flex coat. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Did that start here in San Antonio? No, they're in Drift, they were from Driftwood. Driftwood. Yeah, they okay. Were from Driftwood. Okay. Yeah, the uh, Roger started that business. And I, I think he still owns it, or maybe just the majority, you know, yeah. partner in it. And the sons, I don't know. They took off after they sold Yeti and stuff. So I'm not sure what. what do they you do. do you use flex coat? No, not any not any longer. I use something called Gen Four, Generation Four. Okay. It's a newer epoxy, and I wasn't at, at that time. I wasn't much of a, a big person to change, but it really made a difference. It was a newer, and it, I ordered it from my distributor out of Alabama. But it, the guy's actually in Warring, you know, the guy that's, that's manufacturing. Really? It, oh, yeah. really? It's not. So I don't know if he's manufacturing or if he's just bottling it. Yeah, you know, so yeah. You just never know. But yeah, he's out of Warring, and I think if it is who I think it was, this guy did a lot in the beginnings of of rod building as far as developing some different things. That came along with uh, handles and grip, you know, cork and stuff like that. So he's just, he stays pretty, pretty under under the radar. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a very open guy. I don't know him personally, so yeah. And I, so you were, you got started, you were buying parts from flea market. Yeah, buying parts, you know, the, the stuff that the, he sold the components that we needed to do. Then I put my first rod together. And of course, you know, being the type of person I am, I got to building it, wrapping it. And there was a couple of processes that I skipped because that was part of the book I didn't read. And so it, the thread changed colors on me. It's because the, back then the threads were totally different from what they are now. And so I had to rebuild right, right off the bat, rebuild the rod. He explained what I did wrong and then rebuilt it right. You know, it was as simple and never went wrong from then. So my first rod actually came out pretty good. And I never looked at it as well, this is what I really enjoyed doing. It is something that that I stayed with. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you could and, do Yeah, I could do it and yeah. I was good at doing it i understood of course i fished so i was really selling to my target audience back then which was shark fishermen but from there you know everything just started feeling you know a popping rod guy a trout rod guy or you know like i said i did do a lot of bat, you know fresh water back then and even th- at this point i probably built 10 bass rods a year and you know about 30 fly rods you know the fly rod business is bigger than than the other freshwater stuff really yeah but everything else is salt water Okay. But yeah, from, from there, I just took off and uh, I opened uh, in 92. I opened the first academy that came to town, the one that was on Perrin and mm-hmm. 410. Yeah, I opened up and I was the, the manager for the fishing department there. But back then, they ran it. They, to- they ran it totally. We I could actually deal with the, ven- with the vendor instead of just being a part of the store. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then just you could order stuff into the store. Because yeah. so I, to- I came from tackle stores. You know, so yeah. they actually came and, you know, searched me out to. To go work for them, I was working for another tackle store at that time. I won't mention the name of what it was, but uh, you know they were trying to keep me. And of course, I had just finished for school too, so I was supposed to have a career path that I didn't follow. You know who does? <laughs> so you know it was uh, it was kind of kind of weird. But yeah, I went into the tackle business. And that's pretty much what what I started doing was just selling custom rods and custom tackle. I went out there at that time, search, researched a lot of you know companies that were just selling accessories to stuff reels you know selling you know a high dollar everything was high dollar because it was just like you had to you don't want to stay away from the norm you know the 25 dollar belly plate for 
fishing. You know, we went and bought the $1,550 belly plates and stuff, stuff that people didn't really see back then. Yeah. Like, like I said, the Internet blew all that right. out of the water, you know. So, it, you know, could have built probably an Internet store, you know, something that would have really moved a lot of product like that, but the, been having the product, you know, would have been, been a totally different story on what to do there. But I stick with rod building. You know, it was just what I was good at and what I'm still good at. And, you know, I've ne- my kids know how to build rods. If I if I made them, if they had to, you know, finish a rod or something happened to me, I know my son could jump in and finish the rod. But I don't, know, I don't think either one's going to follow my, you know, my. my, my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get rich. You know, it's something that's, uh, it's something that's, it's fun. I've really enjoyed the, my clients, you know, the fact that they're fishing my rods. You know, we have a, we've had a bunch of you know world records, state records. Really, you know, okay. You know, caught on my rods, and you know the the pictures I see of my rods, and you know you know I've technically caught you know marlin, you know big tuna all over the world. I wasn't there, but my rod was there. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, it's it's pretty exciting to see that that part of that was my rod that did that. Yeah. You know, so you know my design, my you know just put together. Good rods are important catching fish like that, though. Yeah, so I mean, you, that, yeah, that I mean, person might not have ever yeah, caught Yeah, because I got, like, right now we're building a couple of rods for a, a, a guy out of Maine. Uh, he's a, a younger guy. from. He's a captain friend of my nephew from up there. And he, uh, you know, he, he's fishing these big, you know, these guys see wicked tuna. And they think everything's got to be very stiff, very big, very, you know, gigantic. But I tell him he's lost a lot of nice fish because he hasn't learned yet that he needs to have that light tip. Something that really keeps that constant pressure on the fish, not just a stiff rod, doesn't do it. So we're building some stuff up there that we've already caught bluefin out of out of the Gulf on. So and I showed them pictures and video, of course. You know, luckily to my clients that have done it, you know, they've taken good pictures and good video mm-hmm. that we can show other clients that this is what this rod is doing, and this is how this will master and be better than what the traditional. You know, because these guys still will go into different magazines or big builders out of the East Coast and West Coast. And go buy directly from them, but they're just getting stock. Well, you know? it it sounds like too, a lot of guys are coming to you for like marlin tuna big rods. Is custom the only option, or are there like rods that you can buy that will do this, or is like custom the way to go? Because well, it sounds like you got started as a need to build custom rods. Yeah, it was it was a need then. Nowadays, I mean, it's still in in some fields of as far as like shark fishing. That's the only what the only way you're gonna get what you need is a custom rod. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the long rods for that we've used for fishing big piers or surf fishing, uh, the big shark rods that these guys use off the big trucks and towers down. You the can't beach. buy those at Bass Pro no, or you, you, Autumn you can, online. You can walk into Roy's and pick one up. You know, because he's probably m- might have built rebuilt or built a couple here and there. Right. The Roy's yeah. fishing tackle down the co- down in Corpus, but uh, other than that, no, it's gonna have to be made. You know, or just bought used. Mm-hmm. You know, right. somebody that's already purchased and is going to move it. You know, but uh, that part of the fishing industry is still just a custom. Unless you can go and buy a heavy duty rod from Bass Pro. Yeah. You know, but it's just not not going to work. Right. You know, it, it'll yep. fish, but it's not really going to work. You know, when it comes down to when you get that fish you target. And a lot of guys that do buy products like that end up getting rid of them or getting out of it, period, because they see the amount of work that it takes. It's a lot of. Shark fishing down the beach is a different animal. It's, it's so then you brutal. must be you must order your blanks in. So there got to be at least blanks made for this type of fishing. Oh yeah, or, yeah. yeah the blanks are and right and, and right now there's really not that many blank makers 
that are making those specific type rods anymore. It's just because it's kind of like a dying industry. Mm-hmm. It's still around, you know, and the, and the guys that are ordering them and that we can that I can still get blanks from, you know, they're they're keeping it alive. But everything's downsized. You know, everybody's yeah. gone to an eight footer or something. Like, you know, before it was a ten footer. I mean, be, even before then, it was twelve, thirteen foot rods. You know, of course, the long caster guys they want fourteen foot rods, but they're not really they're casting for distance. They're not casting for fish. That's right. that's a different a different approach to. A rod that he's not even fishing, you know. Yeah. And it's just it's just what they call shoreline casting. This is out there fun, having fun casting a weight as far as they can. Now it's a, it's a big, uh, it's, it's a big thing, you know. Now since we're kind of on shark fishing, and it's Shark Week, just so happens to be, you have a shark story that <laughs> we wanted to hear about. <laughs> well, I was really just talking to your dog, and it got picked <laughs> up. Yeah, no, nah, we're just mishandling the shark back in. Back in the old, where we used to do the party boats and stuff like that. And, yeah, we just jumped on my knee and just, you know, little, took a little bite here and there. But not chunks, you know. Yeah, so it was just yeah, a tiny yeah, Just guy. a little bit of a tiny guy, yeah. What kind of shark was it? It was probably just a little sharp nose, whatever they catch on party boats back then. Yeah. Or they still do, you know. <laughs> but it was just a drunken mishandling, you know. But, yeah, I was just trying to get your dog off me. <laughs> <laughs> Letting them know I wasn't scared of him. By yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> So uh, how often do you actually get out to go fish yourself now? <coughs> oh, never. Yeah. Yeah, the the, you know, the the barrel's full of things I got to do. And, of course, you know, being an adult, you know, wasn't really that fun so far. I know the feeling on that. Yeah, I raised three kids, you know, my wife and stuff. We've, you know, I've had our businesses and kept busy. I try to, this year, of course, I always say that this year was going to be the year to really kick it and get back in. But, you know, it got hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, you know if it's hot here, it's hot in the water. And, you know, now you see what Key West, they said there was a water was 101 degrees and around yeah. Key West somewhere. Oh. So I was like, you know, there's something going on on the coast. But fishing's been good. You know, I just, I got some trips set up and I'll be in Maine next, next month. So hopefully catch a big tuna and yeah. you know, nice. some stripers and stuff like that. And I have a, my nephew's out of Connecticut. So he's a charter captain out of there. So it's it's fun to get up there. Usually for that kind of trip with May, early May, June, if you want to catch a big striper. Really? Yeah. That's some, that's fun. It's fun fishing. Yeah, you know? it's, I think it's a little funner than red fishing. I kind of really, I kind of got off of red fishing for a while. And you're throwing conventional stuff, right? You're not doing fly. No, I used to do a lot of fly fishing when, in my fly fishing, like my son got into fly fishing about five years ago, and I told him at that point, this is that I would have somebody teach him to do it because I wasn't going to do it because he wasn't going to like my approach to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, my approach was that I did more offshore stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to chase billfish or kingfish or dolphin, whatever we did. So all of my stuff was this heavy stuff, heavy tackle, you know, and I've gone out there when he started rainbow trout fishing. It was fun the first time. Yeah. Second time, I was like, the fish better start getting bigger. Cause <laughs> 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 this is getting a little, getting a little sad, but uh, it's fun. You know, I enjoyed it. I started downsizing. That's what I learned was, you know, I went to <coughs> glass rods or three weights, something yeah. more funner, so... You know, I learned how to do that, but yeah, offshore fly fishing was was really good. It just was taxing. Yeah, you know, and then I would travel with another client that I had that you know we would go to Guatemala or go to Mexico and stuff like that. So you know, when you have somebody else's ride to go on, it's even funner. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, you yeah. know, he had the the private jet, he had the private boats and stuff like that. Oh so, yeah, no, that's you the know, yeah. You know, it's hard not to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, fly fishing, you know, like I said, it was more a big game for me. I'm getting into the, st- the small stuff, you know. It, I'm learning it actually still, you know. When I see Zach stuff, I was like, you know, I wouldn't know what to do with that yeah. stuff, you know. And then with my son, 
I, you know, I feel bad for him because I make him tie my stuff on. I can't see half the yeah. shit. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, or he'll be down, you know, you know, hundred yards from me, and I'll break off, and I'm waving my rod around like, hey, you gotta come back, <laughs> come back here, because yeah, I won't carry so a pack. You're, yeah. you're, I'm, you're, I'm t- t- you're telling me you can do all these like intricate weaves and stuff on rods, but you can't tie a fly. On. I can't see it. It's not that I can't tie it. I, can't <laughs> I can tie the knot, but yeah, it just. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't carry packs. Yeah, you know, just you know, if I'm gonna go down, I'm going. You know, I'm gonna end up disdain in yeah. the water. So <laughs> the less I have on me, the better. So yeah. yeah, I don't carry packs. And he's made me carry a couple of flies every now and then, but it's like, <laughs> still can't. I'm doing this shit. Yeah, I was like, no, nope, this ain't gonna work. I'll just stop fishing. You know, <laughs> sit on a rock. If you want me out here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about. I've never offshore fly fished. Have you guys? No. 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 I know how it's done. I think you tease I don't them even, up, right? I don't even know how it's done. Yeah. But yeah. so, like, talk. Uh, let's talk about the equipment needed for offshore fly fishing first. It's all the same, except it's bigger. You okay. know, your rods, of course, are twelve, fourteen weight rods. Okay. Uh, we developed some back in the nineties, and we're we're chasing yellowfin tuna on on you know for on flies. So we built a couple of rods that weren't traditional fly rods, but according to IGFA, they were still. Fly rod legal. Were they still like nine foot? Long? No, they were seven foot. Seven yeah, foot. We're actually taking a, a rod that we would use like for snapper fishing, pretty heavy glass <laughs> rod, and I made them into three pieces. We were traveling, but uh, yeah, they were made to really bring up a lot of heavy stuff since we knew we were chasing you know the yellowfin. Yeah, but the and reels so were like 12, 14 weight, 12, 14 weight caliber yep. style rods, and the reels of course were Billy Pate Marlin type reels, you know, the big ones. Of course, now they're even bigger. Yeah, you know, at one time I had the the Billy Pig bluefin, which was really big. I mean, this thing was probably nine inches across. You know, it was a huge reel. I pick up line, that's for damn sure. Yeah, but uh, when the fish got on, it would smoke too. I mean, that handle wouldn't be nonstop. But in different cases, yellowfin tuna, it was a, a chumming technique. You know, you get out there, chum behind the boat, they start start coming up, and you start casting. Yeah, you know, and get them. And then we would tie. You know, we talk about you know, how fancy a fly's got to be. I, t- I told Zach one time, come see my flies at the house. <laughs> it's just white feathers tied to a hook. That's all I use. <laughs> I didn't use. And if I was bill fishing, I'd put a popper on that white feather with a hook. I didn't really get into I had a now I had a real good friend of mine that, well, he built some really, like, I wouldn't even, didn't even fish them. That's how nice they were. Thank you. you know, he, built, <laughs> <laughs> he built He built some macro stuff. I mean, these things look like a macro. I was like, I ain't going to fish this. You know? I'm going to sell it before I fish it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun. You know, king fishing is probably the funnest thing. You know, I have a friend of mine that I've, I haven't fished with in a long time. We're going to start fishing again together. And, you know, we used to just target inshore species. You know, kingfish, jackfish, just stuff that's, bru- you know, jackfish is pretty strong. You know, he can fight. So we're going to go after those guys, and after kingfish, they're faster. Instead of having to blow 40 miles offshore and waste our time, we're going to just stay inshore and start you know, targeting some on fly. You know? Yeah. So that's coming around, hopefully, and hopefully some tarpon. You know, once the tarpon start coming, well, they should be, thought as it's been, they should be there by now, you know. Just probably have to get them late in the evening because I they ain't going to be out there at noon. I heard they're rolling around midnight. Around midnight, mm-hmm. yeah. Probably so. Yeah, because he did, last year, he was out there. It was nighttime. It was dark. Yep. You know, not really a fly fishing type of, you know, you're gonna, it's either a bait. That's going to be a bait trip. But, I mean, for fly fishing, it had to be during the day, definitely. But it'll be fun. We'll see what happens, you know, try to bring that back and dust off all the old tackle. Probably have to put a new line. And even I, even then, I didn't use traditional fly lines. I used uh, what they call the, the shooting heads. 
I would just tie shooting head, 25 foot shooting head to mono. That was my, my mono was my running line. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't go spend 150 bucks on a marlin leader or, you know, or, or, or tarpon leader. Yep. Yeah, I just used a shooting head because, one, it was thinner. You know, I didn't have to worry about buoyancy and it would fly. Of course, if it hit my back of my head, it really hurt. <laughs> you know, it, it, it put it some damage to yeah. you. But, uh, yeah, the tackle turn, you know, definitely changes. <coughs> right now, like, even for trout and red fishing, you know, all the different lines that are out there just drive me nuts. Yeah. That's why. Nowadays, there's all yeah. kinds of fly my son started It makes it hard to decide. When yeah. my son started fly fishing, I told him, I told him, look, I'll build the rods. I'll buy the reels. You buy the fly lines. Because to me, that was the most expensive part. <laughs> By the time you end up gathering, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, all the ones you need, you know, two per set, three per set. So, yeah, it was it was a different uh, different hobby. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Let's walk. And I, have you built a rod before? No. No, no. Nope. I've built probably four rods, and then I retired, <laughs> so I'm done. But let's, like, our listeners might be interested in, like, building their own rod. So let's, like, walk through the process of what it takes to build a rod. You know, let's say, you know, we're going to say we're going to build a six-foot or a six-three spinning rod for the coast. You know, we'd start off, of course, get a blank. We've got to get the blank in. And for the coast, we're generally fishing something that throws one-eighth to half ounce lure weight six to f- six to twelve line weight and that's the ideal it's soft you know can still you know catch catch a big fish but of course you're going to play with it a little bit but then we'll start building the handle and the handles are the preferences part of for the client some guys want longer handles some guys really want shorter handles so we'll build all that up and i usually build on cork i don't do like a foam grip i mean i can if the customer you know says i want it foam we'll do foam but i usually build it with burl cork which is different from a Portuguese cork, it's a little denser, less water resistant, more water resistant. So, so are you are you buying the rings? Yeah, stacking yeah, them yeah, on top yeah, of each other to yeah, the length that to you build want. Build it up. Yeah, we'll build the whatever hand, whatever length handles we got. We're gonna stack up the rings. Is this the the cork you were talking about? Yeah, this yeah. is the bro cork. Yeah, and we'll gather them up and we'll do you know, like there's that's different patterns that we right. can get. You know, the cork stuff's coming different. You know, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. And you glue you glue the rings together. Glue the rings together, and then we'll bore them out afterwards and fit it on the blank. Yeah, and, and and then you know when, put then it, when I, do you put it on a lathe yeah, to shape? Yeah, I, I have a, I have what they call a Renzetti lathe. It's the, the, the guy that builds lathes for rod building. Of course, I bought mine back in the eighties, so I bought them for like three hundred fifty bucks a piece. Uh, I think nowadays he sells them for like nine hundred, close to a thousand. Wow. You know, Is there so any so. relation to the tying vice? Yeah, there? It's a guy, same guy. Oh, same Andy guy. Renzetti, oh. Yeah. Cool. Just the same. You yeah. think it's because it's a similar mechanic? Well, know? I mean, it's the same industry. That's no, the yeah. same industry. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, when I bought his, my those from him, he was up in Pennsylvania. He hadn't moved to Florida yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I knew. I know. I knew his wife and and him pretty good, but they um, <coughs> will turn it on that lathe. If the client, you know, of course, when it comes to a fly rod handle, you know, when you pick up most of the ones from a store, they're really thin. You know, so I usually start off at a mid size. If the client has a chance to come in and feel it, you know, before I'm done processing it, you know, we can either if he tells me it's still too big, I'll, I'll, I, you know, I can have the option to take it down. So yep. But if he comes back and says, oh, it's perfect, because I always felt like I always liked the bigger, you know, bigger yeah. uh, uh, outside diameter to the to the grip. So you you have that. So once we get the grip on there and I'll turn it on the lathe, then the the, you know, the fun start and the fun part comes and we'll start wrapping the rod, you know. And say with that rod, you know, we're going to have, you know, seven guides. And they it, the big thing back in the old days was used to under wrap. The under wrap means you put a, a wrap down first, then you put the guide on top of it. 
But in the new, oh, I never did that. Yeah, but in, in the new, yeah, in, in the new days of rod building, that's been excluded. Now it's just put the slap the guide on and start wrap around it. Yeah. yeah. So what was the idea of putting the thread down first, just to kind of give it, it was. Like it a, used to be just a protection because the mod the, the the modulus of blanks were so much different back then. But now they're they're still the same. Yeah. It just it was just it just somebody just eliminated a process and somebody said somebody higher up there said, hey, you know what. That's the way we should be doing it. So, <laughs> so that's the way everybody does it. And, yeah. I, and then I said, well, that's less work. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, thanks, for, thanks for putting that in the magazine because, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because I'm not oh, not on a fly rod. You you would still keep just the foot, the guides wrapped, the feet wrapped, but more like a pop, like a casting rod. Yeah. You know, now my big game rods still have under wraps through. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and then once that process is done, we get the epoxy going. Two coats of epoxy, you know, sign a name on there or, or label a name on there and send it off. Now, the epoxy, is that going, that's, is that going over the entire blank or no, just the, over the, 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 just the over blanks the come finished, yeah. Okay, just, just over the, the blanks wraps. come finished. Yeah, a long time ago, yeah, we we did used to have to coat the epoxy if we wanted to. Yeah, you could coat you the know. whole blank. Depending, depending, some blanks did come in so raw that you just really had to. Really? Really had to put epoxy on. Now, this is a pretty jazzed up fancy rod that you brought to show us mm-hmm. are most of your rods like this with like the weaves and yes all the extravagance yeah. on the rods yeah, so everything's gonna be of uh of a custom value yeah you know, it's gonna it's gonna look different gonna be be different and perform different you know we're put, we're, we're definitely giving you a better blank than you're gonna find on the on the on a commercial market you know the blank itself you know cause we do pay a little bit different premiums for prices on on the blanks, yeah. Now something like oh, I because that is definitely like the two rods you brought us, and you know if you guys don't really look at rods, but like your your factory rod, like Orvis, Scott, Sage, just talking about fly rods, you know they're going to come with basic wraps. A lot of times, clear wraps, so that way you can see the yeah. the foot of the rod or the uh, foot of the uh, guide, right. and. Uh, they're they're real basic, but what we're looking at here is like colored wraps with accent wraps with weaves, where he's basically like you don't know what he's doing. It's hard to explain, but he's weaving threads together to get different patterns and all sorts of cool stuff. And so um, it almost looks like a basket, like yeah. a basket. Yeah, weave. it's like a basket. Yeah, yeah like yeah, a yeah. basket weave. Yeah. Yeah, they're dimensional views. Uh, sometimes even just line, you know, linear lines that we do sometimes look. You know, just as good. Now, there's, and that's, that's just some of the decorative stuff. A lot of the heavy decorative stuff that can take, you know, hours. There's some guys that spend 19 hours on a, on a wrap. <laughs> now, I don't know how much they're selling that rod for, but I know that I'd be selling it for a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. for a bunch. And, and my base is, when it comes to a fly rod, my base, my base rod started about 375. And that's just because that's going to be a entry level type fly rod, but it's still a custom rod. Right. And you still get a custom component. You still can dress it up the way you want. You know, but you just don't want to go out and spend. And I'll, and I'll tell a client, especially when it comes to fly fishing, what do you want to spend? Because if you're used to spending eight, nine hundred bucks, you went to Orvis or bought a Sage or a Thomas and Thomas. You know, I'm going to put you on something that's not going to cost you that much, but it's still going to be an elite, you know, item just like those blanks. Yeah. yeah, just because I'm not charging you eight, nine hundred bucks. Right. You know, like that one there, that Century blank. You know, that does retail for. You know, it's the thing is eleven hundred bucks. Because that blank is a six hundred dollar blank right. to start with, you know, and and that's what they're that's what they want you to sell them for. You know, it's an, it comes from England, so they want you to charge a lot more, I right. guess. You know, 
not like the Chinese. Everything's the opposite. Yeah. 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 But uh, and a lot of the blanks that we get too. I mean, I use a lot of rain shadow blanks, and they're higher modulus blanks. And I, the way I feel about higher modulus stuff is they're more expensive, but they're also they're less durable. We get a lot of breakage, and the custom rod builder doesn't want breakage, right? You know, because you're not making other tips yeah. for it or anything yeah. like that. So we have to. I still have to deal with the manufacturer to get that part, that that fourth built or that third. Right. You know, depending on what section broke. Yeah. And you know, we're, you know, the client's out of time fishing. I'm out of time having to rebuild something, and uh, it's usually my son that I'm rebuilding for. But that's <laughs> it. That's but it's the part. That's the only problem that so, I don't. Okay, like. so that's good. I did not know that. So if you buy a custom rod and you break a section, you, they can reach out to you, and you can still. Oh, no, yeah, they're warranted. I, they're got, like I say, the rods, are, at this point, they're they're still warrant, lifetime warranty. And like I say, they're, they're warranty, lifetime warranty is my lifetime. Right. You know, yeah. because after I'm gone, then nobody's going to cover you. My kids are going to turn and they go, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, no, they would just have to go back to the manufacturer. Okay. You know, and they can get the blank. And, and the manufacturers right now have gotten better. It, there was some times that we had – an era where we had really bad, and it had to do with Loomis. Mm-hmm. You know, Loomis was a, a a great rod, a great client, you know, a great manufacturer, but when he sold the rod, the business to Shimano, it, it all went to shit. Really? And so did everybody. Yeah. You know, they everybody changed their warranties, everybody changed everything. You know, so it, it made it hard for a custom rod builder to take care of their client. Yeah. But it's gotten better, you know. Well, Bats and Enterprises, the ones that bring in the brain shadows that I use, mm-hmm. that, they're doing a really good job, so... But I can still, and I still build on Sage and where, whatever you want. I just got to go get them. Right. You know. But at that point, I'm going to charge you the same thing Sage charges you. Yeah. But still give you. You know, Sage is charging 900. I'm going to charge you 900. But you're still going to get totally different rod. Right. You know, better components. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you'll have a better aluminum. If you prefer, you're going to have a better aluminum real seat. Of course, better cork. Right. And the guides, are the, the stripper guides and the your snake guides will be top notch. You're not going to have a. You know, because they use really not very good, uh, just stainless, yes, anything, just, just yeah. stainless snakes. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a fancy guide. You know, in Hawaii, right? But you're still gonna pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not asking questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna go in and buy. And I have my clients that'll tell me that they'll come and, hey, can you build me this in two weeks? And I can like, no. Yeah. You know, so okay, well I'll just buy one. I'm like, well, buy. Okay. Know, go buy it. You know, that's okay. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Right. How, how many rods have you built this year? So you're we're in July, probably sitting in about a hundred and. You've built over a hundred rods this year already. Yeah, about a hundred. Wow, golly! I just think about how much time it took me to build four. You built a hundred <laughs> this year. Yeah, we're probably about a right about a hundred right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, the last six ones I've built have been donation rods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would like to thank you because you are building a donation rod for us. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna. Uh, raffle or auction it off, I don't know yet, at the Real Recovery Retreat. Or I mean, uh, at the Ironfly yeah. to benefit Real Recovery. Yep. So and that's in October? October, October 21st. 21st. October 21st. Yes. So I'll get it to you before that. That way you all can. We would appreciate yeah, that so we can show it yeah, off. Get it up yeah. there. Yeah. We can yeah. get some action shots with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't need you breaking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I great. saw what you did to your door. I don't need you to do that to the rod. Dude, listen, <laughs> I've broken. More fly rods than any other type of rod, but it, gosh, it's been like seven years since I've actually broken one. Let's, so well, okay, let's go around the table. What is your guys' best rod breaking story? I've never broken. Oh no, no, I did with you. That's right. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. walk me through. We were on the raft, and actually, I think I was rowing, 
and we were going through a very, very tight shoot with reeds on both sides coming up. Okay. And we had... I don't remember this. Oh, yeah, we had your six weight, and it was poked out just a hair from the raft, and as we were going down, the end of it, the tip of it, caught the caught one of the reeds and just snapped. Do you remember what rod it was? Was it, it my was, rod or your rod? It was your rod. Ooh, it nice. was a, I believe it was your saltwater six weight. Okay. I probably sent it into Orvis and they repaired yes, it. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But that's the only rod I've ever been a part of. What's your best rod breaking story? I've never broken a rod. You've never broken <laughs> a rod? I actually have broken one rod. It wasn't fishing. It was just. Uh, like a ceiling fan? Just a drunken <laughs> attempt to show somebody something. And so I did the ugly stick test on a little rod that I had that was glass. <laughs> it was a glass rod, and I used to use it for bait fishing off the piers. And we, you know, catch menhaden and stuff. It was a strong rod, but I was just went a little too far and it popped it. You know, it was actually one of my favorite rods. It was a little, <laughs> it was a little five foot little piece of shit rod, but it yeah. was it was my rod. I built yeah. it, you know. <laughs> but yeah. that that was the only rod I've ever broken. I've never broken a rod. Zach and Landon, you guys only have done fly fishing, right? Like you never really got into gear fishing, conventional fishing. No, As a I, kid, I, I couldn't. All okay. I did was conventional. And I gear fish now. I gear fish yesterday. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know I if you'll. Remember this commercial, not because of age, just because of interest. But do you remember the commercial where the girl would put the guy's ugly stick in a trash compactor in the kitchen? Remember that one? Not that one. Yeah, no. She would get all, you're not going fishing today, and fold it in half and shove it in the compactor, and then it would spring out like nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that commercial. It doesn't actually work, guys. <laughs> it doesn't actually work. Well, what's your best rod-breaking story? Uh, That's hard. I, I think – I mean, that – it's not hard because I've got so many good ones. It's hard because they're all pretty lame breaks. Like, mm. I don't – how do you break a rod in a cool way? I don't – unless you're fighting like a fighting mako a big shark. fish would be cool, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, like, slipped down a bank and fell on it. That was mm. kind of funny. Or this was a, a bait cast rod. It wasn't a fly rod, but I bought it. I drove a Mustang. I bought a seven-and-a-half-foot rod, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to stick it out the window. <laughs> I got in my car, rolled the window down, stuck it out the window. I didn't even make it out of the parking lot before I rolled that window up. Broke no the way. Right. No I swear, way. man. <laughs> I swear. Yes. That is awesome. Oh, I got I driving through the parking lot. I was like, damn, it's hot. I rolled my window up. Snap. There goes the rod. Oh, and my gosh. To show you how durable the rods that we used to build for shark fishing, the, long, the surf rods, they were 10 foot. And we, used to, we used to drive them in the front. I don't know if you've ever seen vehicles that have the – the big racks up front, yeah, the yeah. shark fishermen yep. and stuff. Well, we used to drive from here, from down there with our rod doll in front of the truck. And back in those days, there was a Burger King in Flower Bluff. Uh-huh. And we just drove where the HEB is now. We just drove right into it without even thinking about it. Of course, the rack was behind us this, on this truck. Uh-huh. It wasn't in front of us. We went right through it. Oh. And we didn't even think about it. It was like, hey, what happened? We just went through that Burger King, and it had an eight-foot <laughs> thing. Yeah. So we had to get out and check every rod. And sure enough, it just bent over. <laughs> oh, so you didn't break, didn't break any of the rods? Nah, so we didn't uh, break that pipe either so were they your rods like they, well, some rods? of them were yeah okay. some of them were yeah so it was kind of no you should have said they all were oh they were all okay yeah, they were all <laughs> not a single yeah. one yeah. broke yeah yeah now the only one that breaks has ever broken rods is my son and you know nick i don't know how he does it but it just seems that you know he was breaking every flower and i built him yeah and it was just everyone i was like how did you know he had gone to he was working in tennessee and he said brand new five weight i mean perfectly brand new it was just out of the box and he calls me like first time he's like hey uh, i was roll casting the thing that's broke 
I was like, man, I, I, I don't believe you, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is he roll casting crank bait? Roll casting a twelve pack, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but, but yeah, he's the only one that has broken. He's he has broken probably seven or eight fly rods. Wow. And, I mean, luckily I can get a warranty, but yeah, just, you yeah. know. But uh, yeah, so that, yeah. It was a good idea to tell him I'd build all the rods first. <laughs> you know? That's I've why he breaks them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like, know, it's hey. not a big deal. I've got two stories. So the first one is I was teaching a fly fishing 201 class, and we, you know, we kind of pre-rigged the rods before the class. And I had put them all, like, at the tailgate down in my truck. I put them, like, all in the corner of the truck in the tailgate, and whoosh. Closed the tailgate, oh. broke like four rods oh, at man. one time. Oh, so that was pretty depressing. Um, and then my second story is I was doing a fishing trip with Melanie. And I think you guys both know mm-hmm. Melanie. And we were floating the Guadalupe. And she brought her four-weight sage rod that she wanted to fish. And I had like a five-weight Orvis rod as a backup. Somehow we ended up breaking both rods within the first 30 oh, minutes of the trip. And we're on like a five or six mile float. And I'm like, what are we going to do? We like both rods are broken. So what we ended up doing is I pieced the Orvis rods and Sage rods together to like make this weird four and five weight mixed (laughs) rod with all the pieces that were left over. And it ended up working. One of the overlaps between the ferrules was like this long, (laughs) but it worked. And we got down the river and she fished the rest of the day. And like, I think she caught like a, like a three or four pound bass at the end of the day on that like hodgepodge rod that we had oh my God. mixed together. I've it was crazy. I made it a habit where I see my son take off to make sure to tell him, hey, take the extra rod. Just carry it. Even without the reel, carry that extra rod. Cause yeah. One, I know he might break it already. <laughs> but, you know, shit, you know, it does happen. You know, you'll snag something and pop something. You know, I, I do have a – when I'm thinking of breaking rods, I'm thinking of snapping rods. I've got a I've got a broken rod story I didn't even think about. This one is interesting. I, I'm curious if this has happened to any of you guys. Um, so we're fishing Dunlap post dam break. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's just another part of the river now. Um, and I buy. There is a certain store in town that sells lower end fly gear, and it's a hundred dollar rod. And I worked there at the time, so I got it for like sixty bucks. And this is the rod oh, I would oh, take. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this, <laughs> this rod, this is the rod I would take like on glitter boats, because you're going sixty miles an hour across a choppy lake. You don't want your four or five hundred dollar rod slapping against the deck of the boat, right? Anyway, so we're fishing Dunlap, and I'm swinging one of Chase's game changers in, in a faster run. And I hook up on like a two or three pound bass. So it wasn't even that big. And I'm fighting it. And as I'm turning, I'm realizing that the rod is like I'll turn to the right, but the rod would stay pointing at the fish. It's Uh because the the cork came loose and it was spinning Uh around the plank. (laughs) And that was that was an interesting fight. You want to add some a level of difficulty (laughs) to bass fishing? Uh, uh, Remove the adhesive from your cork. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard always heard interesting stories. Like because people would like. Twice a week, probably, people bringing broken rods in to send them off for repair. One wife, she brought her husband's rod in. She felt so bad about it because he had left it, like, line, leader, everything. Like, put it in the corner, like, by the front door. She was vacuuming, and the vacuum sucked up the leader. Oh, (laughs) And, dude, she brought graphite pieces to me, like, a thousand grit. She had put them, like, in a bag. It had shattered into, like, a thousand pieces. Oh, I bet she felt awful. And she's like, 
I'm like, well, I can't send this off for repair, so how about I just, you pay the $60, and here's a brand new rod for you. Yeah. You know, that brings me to a question for David, and I've, I've heard an answer to this question before, but I'm curious as a custom rod builder, for as long as you have, I want to know your thought. Leaning a rod against the wall, just leaning it there and, and storing it there for an extended period of time, is that bad for the rod? It's not bad for the rod. It'll create a bend. Okay, it'll, that's what I mean. It'll, 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 create, it a, it'll okay. create a bend, but it's not bad for it. And that's on? On anything. <laughs> on anything. <laughs> yeah, okay. on anything, glass, graphite. Uh, Interesting. Uh, I think the, what's worse for a, a rod is you know people storing them in garages. Any point where it's hot. Right. It's just, it's just in our weather. You right. Know, oh, yeah. It's not good for it. But, yeah, putting it up, I mean, all you have to do is bend it the other way. You know, okay. find, pick the reel off and bend it the other way. Um, you know, when you when you build a rod, you know, there's a, a what they call a – some people call it a spine. You know, I call it the straightest point on the blank. Mm-hmm. And that's what I build on, <coughs> the top or the bottom, depending on what I'm building, you know, baitcaster or spinning. But it's when you start doing that, yeah, you can throw that off. You know, but like I said, you, there's ways to correct it, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to store a rod. A lot of people don't have the, you know, the right spots or the right place to put a rod most of the right. time. So, you know, you're going to have stuff like that. But it doesn't hurt, it, doesn't hurt it. you know, cause it, cosmetically it does, not functional, you know, it's, it's still going to work the same way. Well, for 90% of the fly rods out there, if you don't have room to store it, you should probably not buy the fly rod. Where Since do you they break down to four foot long? How do you guys store long? your fly rods? In the garage. Yeah, I know you Ooh. do yours in the garage. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. How do you do yours? I hang them on the ceiling so they're not leaning on anything, but yeah. there's like two posts and I just. There's support. Them, there's right? support. Yeah. And so there's they're not bending, but I just store yeah. them in the garage. And that's not going to hurt a rod either. Mm-hmm. The only thing that w- can happen is. The, the broken reel seat or the broken handle, you know, the ungluing. Oh, really? Uh, so oh, that's, yeah. that's the only thing that can happen. Because yeah, because the, the heat will heat. Because that's heat. all epoxy, yeah. so. Yeah. So the, the heat, the epoxy will crystallize and break off depending, you know, once you put the reel on there, uh, it might take a, a hit, you know, something really, yeah. you know, really tough yeah. to, to make it happen, but you know, that's what can happen. Yeah. But for me, the convenience is just like well, my rods a, are already put together. You have a quiver, too. My rods are already put together. I can just grab them. Yeah. I hate like I'll get to the river and I got to put yeah. my rod together. Yeah. Well, see my my son. He, I mean, he's got a, a Jeep Cherokee and he carries his full length in there. Yeah. That's the one thing I hate. You know, just one you can't sit down. You know, they're in the way. You know, they're sticking out this way. And I would tell him, I say, like, you know, they're four piece rods for a reason. You know, break them down, put them away. You know, yeah. put them away <laughs> properly. <laughs> but then, uh, then again, depending on how you put them away properly, someone's gonna sit on them. Then you know, yeah. they're in the back seat. So yeah. you know, it's never a happy. You know, I guess you can buy one of those rod things over the tr- top of the trucks or something. I get anxious. Like, if I'm spot hopping, you know, a quick drive, for example, if we're going for trout on the Guadalupe mm-hmm. and we're going from Rio to Whitewater, you know, it's a five-minute drive, I'll throw it in my truck like yeah. that. But otherwise, I baby my rods, yeah. man. Like, they sleep in my bed with me half the time. <laughs> it's in their tubes? Yeah, in their tubes. Well, they stay in their tubes, yeah. Right. I don't – and it, I'll wipe them down like every three or four trips or whatever. I get anxious. I don't want to break a tip. That's yeah. like the worst feeling in the oh world. Yeah, it is. I, I have a wall mount in my office, and my office has ten foot ceilings. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, I think at some it's like an angle. So I think at some point it's like twelve to fourteen foot. So they they fit, but they're not leaning. Or yeah, they're like standing that. straight up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite way to store them because I could just grab them and go. However, I I have a, the Wrangler, and they fit. At an angle, yeah, <laughs> going right, from yeah. the back to the front passenger seat, you know. Good. So um, that seems to be the best solution. Yeah. It works. 
Well, you're talking like suspended from the roof, right? From the top? Yeah. So yeah. in my Jeep, I have that roll cage. So I bungee the back end, yeah. and then they point down, and then they go through to the passenger seat floorboard. Oh, okay. Okay. I know on the river, I've seen some guys that they use those magnet mount uh-huh. things. Oh, yeah. Like, I swear those things are going to blow up. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> you know? Uh, First, it's going to hit the windshield, then the rods are going right. to take off. No, I, you know what their advertisement is for those? Because we used to sell those in Orvis. The advertisement is a rally car, like yeah. full track, and the rod, like just video of the rods, and the rods like barely even move. And this really? rally car is like drifting, you know, and doing all these crazy turns, and the rods are just like chilling. <laughs> yeah, what what they didn't show you is when they gorilla glued them before they started <laughs> shooting yeah. the video. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the yeah. metal screws and I used to have one of those suction cup ones. Like back in the day, we but used I don't. That we went to Broken Bow. Yeah, yeah, but I'd only use it for like drives between fishing spots. No, right. like you wouldn't drive from here to Broken Bernie Bow with it. I wouldn't drive no. from here to Broken Bow with it, yeah. or maybe even Bernie. But oh. yeah, make me too nervous. Yeah, it would me too. Rod tubes. I'm actually. You can buy a pretty cool rod tube off of Amazon. They're like they're aluminum and they're like forty bucks. I'm uh, thinking about. Switching a lot of my tubes out to those. For like sturdier. when they're in the broken down, the four piece? Uh-huh. Well, they're always broken down. Unless I'm fishing, I always keep them broken down. Mm. Just put them you fish? Few tubes. Huh? I thought you just tied flies. I fish more than you do, buddy. He does fish more than you <laughs> do. You <laughs> do. <laughs> These days, that's that's actually a true statement. Have you ever built a bamboo rod? No. No? Never mm-hmm. have. Any interest in building a bamboo rod? I wouldn't mind building one. I wouldn't. I don't see me doing the process of building the actual blank. That's you know, intense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like the, the that's planing like, each yeah. piece. Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not magic. that artsy, you know, at all. You know, I don't care for that. Kinda you like say that, but then you do these extravagant right. yeah, weaves I mean, that right. take ten hours. I mean, there's so much more to rod building nowadays, and not nowadays. I mean, this has been going on for generations. You know, like I think most of it for me. Are the men that are, I always say men because most of them, like I said, most guys used to start rod building when they retired from work. Right. So they're older, 60s, 50s, 8-year-old men. When my age now is when, you know, guys used to start building rods. Not anymore. Now, you know, young guys are doing that. But all the Midwest and Northern guys, all, you know, Michigan, all these guys that I guess worked in wood mills or stuff like that, they do a lot of stuff with wood handles. I mean, work that's... You know, this crazy, you know, just incredible work, you know, woodwork. You know, so they mm. build fly rod handles or just regular for musky and stuff like that. I don't know. You know the, of course, the weight that it puts on a rod is something else, but the handle itself is just, you know, it's pretty beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful work. You know, but that's something that, you know, they, of course, you're going to have to have a lathe. And then a lot of guys turn cork with the lathe, you know, with the regular lathe with the big old knives and stuff. I think I would shred one in a heartbeat. You know, I always did sandpaper. Yeah, I use a, I use a, uh, I guess like a, what's it called? Uh, I don't know what it's called. Just for tearing wood up is what it is. Just, it's pretty rough. And it'll just start it, and then I'll start shaping with sandpaper. Yeah. And I'll go like with a 60, you know, and upgrade as I go on just yeah. to get it smooth. And then I, with most of the rods, I put a, uh, a gun oil to finish it, just to seal it. Really? Mm-hmm. We're done here. Yeah. Is that something that you would recommend doing periodically? Anything, like, yeah. Any yeah. roads. Yeah, like you can get yours and clean them. Uh-huh. We can wash them or like you can bring them by. We can re-sand them real yeah. quick. Give them a, just take the scum off and then you hit them with this, the little gun oil you buy at Academy. And just really? Run a real little thin I just use a sponge and just rub it, you know, just let it just get it on the real light. 
Interesting. It'll absorb some, and it'll leave it just there. Yeah. It's not slippery. It's not sticky. It, it doesn't, like, leave no, film on no. your hands? Huh. But it seals the, the, the cork. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's easier for cleaning, too. Yeah. Especially with Portuguese cork, that's the blonde stuff, you know, that gets filthy looking right. quick. Yeah. So that'll clean it real quick. Yeah. That'll I need to clean mine. Especially on my H3, my cork is just... See, do you do you clean your cork or do you leave the mojo? Like, what do you That's do? That's true. Like, I always want to clean my cork, but then I'm like, man, there's so many good fish stories on this cork. Yeah, I'm afraid to lose that luck. <laughs> I don't know why you're choking on you. Hopefully, it's because it's liquor and you're not laughing at me, right? He's laughing at you. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm laughing. Yeah, but no, seriously, like, do you do you? Is this really a dilemma? Cork? Yeah, do you go clean or do you leave it? I get it. Yeah, yeah, you see what I'm saying? I've never even thought about cleaning it or li- leaving it. Like, I've never had that dilemma. You also keep yours in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> and? You know, they get dirty out they there. They catch fish. I didn't say they didn't. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I don't know. Like I, like I said, I wipe my, I take a Q-tip to the ferals. I clean it all out. That oh, the only thing that I do is, like, if much. I go saltwater <laughs> fishing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. That's the, the only thing I do is if I go saltwater fishing, I do, like, a freshwater bath when I get back. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. And then the other thing is I actually <coughs> bought these, like, rod sleeves because I have that rod vault, mm-hmm. and they actually kind of, like, yeah, bang around a little. They slap that. in there. So I got these sleeves um, now that I'm going to start using so they don't they rattle like around. They it a little bit. Yep. Did you buy the, the nylon, like, finger trap ones? Or like yeah, the yeah. finger trap yeah, ones. Those are cool. Those are good. Yeah. You know what? I could probably get a couple of those for when I put them in my Jeep. The other thing is for your – because mine, it doesn't matter, but yours, the fly lines get tangled a lot. Yeah. yeah. But if you do those – you can pull them separate. out, and you won't ever have them tangled. You know what? That's a really good so idea. So ha- have you used them? Like, have you even put them on a rod yet? I have not. So I'm going to tell you, they're going to make that tip really, Yo, really heavy. Yeah, so be careful when you're putting them on. Okay. Because like, oh, yeah. even on a bass rod, you put one of those, like a, a bass, like bait casting rod, you put one of those on, and all of a sudden it feels like yeah. an ultralight. It whips around really easily because there's weight to that thing. So oh, just oh, be so careful. I'll just be careful. Like, yeah, it should be fine. Just be careful because it's yeah. gonna want to. It's gonna bend it down as you're shoving it in that tube. And that yeah. yeah, I'm surprised I haven't broken more rods because I walk around with mine and every now and then the little tip just hits the floor. I've seen. I saw. You know, like, were oh. you there at the 201 at Blanco State Park where the lady oh, yeah, rolled the, the window up on her rod tip? Yes, two rods. Two tips. rods. Two yes. brand new rods. Hadn't even fished them yet. They're like we bought them yesterday. They bought them yesterday for this class that. Me and Zach were teaching, yeah, yeah, and they they get there and they're like putting them together or something, and then they some somehow the rods are sticking out the window, and one of the ladies rolls the window up and <laughs> snaps them both. Snaps them both. I felt so bad for them. I did. I did feel bad. We got them new rods. Yeah. What is the best fish caught on one of your rods? Man, there's been a bunch. So what's your favorite? Oh yeah, favorite. I mean, I mean the favorite as far as client wise. I mean, we still own the state record Mako, which was a well, it weighed in at seven hundred and seven pounds. Oh yeah, and that 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 story was caught by a friend of mine, Jeff Schendel, in two thousand two, January twenty seventh, two thousand two, and what had happened? The, the 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 weird thing was that story, is of course. I guess the internet was still was there, but it just wasn't as functional as big time as it is now. But it was still everything was done by a call or newspaper. So you know we were able to. I knew you know the the, the, the outdoor guys and down in Corpus when we brought it in because he caught it out of Mansfield. So he had to drag it to Port Aransas from Mansfield 
And I got all the paperwork and all the stuff at home, but, you know. Why do you have to drag it to Port A? Because there was no scales in Port Mansfield. Okay. It was the middle of winter yeah. for us, you know. So everything's pretty much shut down in Mansfield. Back then it was. Now Mansfield, I'm sure, is up and going in the middle of January. But uh, they had to bring it to Port A. He waited in Port Aransas. And uh, from there, I mean, it took, a, it took its own, made its own story. You know, he went, uh, he got uh, interviewed by uh, uh, the NBC show. With Matt Lauer and oh, like Katie, morning, what's her name America back then? Yeah. Or whatever. Really? Yeah, and, and it was it was crazy because that was like the, the only good story that had come out since nine eleven. What four months later or three months before that? So you know you had September eleventh, two thousand one, and this story just I mean went all over the world. It was nuts. I was getting papers and we we're getting magazines. Was, okay, was, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this real quick. Maybe we might be able to play something on the podcast. So what was the it's a it's a state record Mako Texas state record Mako. What's the world record? Do you know? World record probably it have, have to be over twelve hundred. Who caught it? What oh, was okay. the gentleman's name? Jeff Chindle. Let's see if there's any videos that are still. No, there was no videos. There was all pictures. It was all pictures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't have. They didn't have time. We were actually running. We did use a lot of cameras back then, but it was not the ones you could just quickly turn on, <laughs> 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 quickly turn on and start taking. Especially when you're, you know, going after a big fish like that. Right. Well, so think about how that. did you get the mako to t- stay still for so long when you had to put the sheet over your head to take <laughs> the picture and dump it in like a thirty-minute process? Well, no, no. So they have. They brought it to Port A and they did. You know, the processing of the state record and stuff like that. And so it became a story. The fish, if it had, was able to get weighed in Mansfield, would probably have gone probably over 1,000 pounds. Wow, wow. Know? Then from there, a friend of mine just caught a uh, 794 bluefin Oof. out of the Gulf of Mexico uh-huh. on one of our rods just a couple, probably a month now. So wow. That was another good you know, good fish that we've caught. And of course, at one time we had the state record snapper too, which was a gem back then. You know, everybody wanted the big snapper, yeah, and it still is. But it finally got broken. Then we had it almost twenty years. Wow, you know, wow. so it's it's pretty it's pretty good to have little records like that. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, but we've caught a lot of you know a lot of yellowfin tuna. You know, back in the old days of ESPN, one of my clients was fishing the World Billfish Series, and you know he mentioned us, and they they actually he had told me he said hey they took video of me on the boat and stuff like that, but the whole show was just on him. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, so you saw your rods in Kona being fished on TV, and it was pretty wild. This was yeah. like this was like 1997. That's really you know, cool. So it was yeah. it was pretty exciting, you know. And back then too, I did a lot of major uh, fishing shows in Houston, Dallas, right. and of course we still had some game coins that used to come to San Antonio then. But uh, that's how I met like Flip Pallet and Lefty Cray and stuff like that. So it was, cool. it was it was cool stuff. But uh, unfortunately, I think the the San Antonio fishing industry has just really just Kind of it's vanished. It's really gone bad. Why do Why do you think that? Talk Talk to us because I, I, I as a guy who hasn't been here for super long. Maybe I've been here for five, six, seven years. So. It, it almost seems like it's booming. It It, it seems like it is. I mean, a friend of mine owns a shop. He started off on Rigsby Road. It's called Outdoor Alphas, and he's now on Keebner. Yeah, he's up in this area now, and it's, you know he, he's booming his products pretty good. And it's probably the only it's the only true tackle store that I know of in San Antonio. I mean, you know, he gives himself his own title, the number one, you know, tackle show in San Antonio because he's the only one, you know, so. 
Yeah. But uh, I don't know why. You know, just San Antonio does not support tackle stores. Like, you you have... Do you think the big box stores ran everybody out, like the academies no, no, and the Bass Pro? Like I said, when I started the academy in 92, it didn't. we still had three different stores in town, you know, tackle stores, and they did fine. You know? Or is it online? Everybody can get everything online I think online it's just now. the online stuff. Yeah, that just slowly yeah. ate away at yeah, everybody. I think it just slowly ate away at, at, at your people wanting to go into stores, stuff like that. Of course, then Bass Pro came in. You know what, two thousand four somewhere in there. Something like I think it was yeah. two thousand six. Two thousand six, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you know they came in and and it took a little bit of that, but even then, I mean, we both worked there and we, we you know, sales sometimes were great, sometimes they weren't. You could just yeah. see the the flow. The, the what I would used to remember is of the of the older days of you know shops. You know the flow of selling tackle was just not there either. You know, so I guess just the internet sales are just. You know, really just taking over that part. Yeah. Most of the big time guys, it seems like most of the big timers didn't go to Bass Pro. There's a lot of people that are kind of inter- novice to intermediate in the yeah. sport. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Bass Pro just had a lot of stuff to choose from. But after after you get to a certain experience level, like you want you want better. Yeah. You want other things that aren't just like you were saying earlier, the normal gear. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're looking for that extra, that new. Yeah. And 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 at times that's why you get a lot of guys that will go to ICAST because they all want to go. See, and guys aren't even—I didn't even know you were in the fishing industry. Oh, I'm not, but I want to go see the, you yeah. know, the new stuff. The clients of mine was like, they have a boat, or they might have—I don't know how they get in, but they get in and they all go see ICAST to see the new products coming out for the year, you know. But you know, un- unrealistically, nobody around here has them, so you know, got to order them online. Yeah, you know, so unless you know, like Roy's. Roy's Bait and Tackle down at the coast is probably the biggest thing we have in this region as far as a total outfitter. You know, he carries big saltwater, everything, and then fly fishing stuff and fly rods and fly reels. But, uh, I mean, the closest thing we got to that was Orvis when that little shop came in. Mm-hmm. And before that, you just had the, the tackle. tackle well, box. Orvis was only fly fishing, too. So yeah. you're. Yeah, and, and, and But you figured you would have. I'm sure. I figured that there would be more, like that there would be a local tackle store here. They would like have a pretty big presence. Well, the and you, box, men- yeah. you the mentioned one, but tackle boxes are fly fishing only two, and they're in, I mean, they're in Alamo Heights, so they're in their own kind of little yeah. bubble. Kind of little bubble. Yeah. But they also, I think, don't do anything to help drive those sales. You know, as far as no, because getting. they're all like Patagonia North Face yeah. and all yeah. that stuff drives the sales. They don't. You yeah, know, fly fishing is the like the small part of their business. Yeah. You know, out there. So that's the one when I first heard that when Borvis was coming out, I thought they were gonna build a big store. One of their big, you know, stores. No, we're sm- <coughs> that store's a small footprint compared yeah. to yeah, you go to the Houston store or the oh, Dallas yeah. store, Dallas store's two yeah. stories. Yeah, 'cause I've been to the one they in got Vermont. an elevator, man. I've been to the one in Vermont, <laughs> you know, so those stores those stores are big. Orvis store with an elevator? What? Yeah. Those yep. <laughs> I want to go to Vermont and see the actual store. The the Manchester store is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Does if you ever in Vermont, go by the Orvis store. You can do like rod shop tours and stuff. It's actually really cool. Did they get hit with all that flooding recently? Do we know? Oh, oh, Vermont. I don't yeah. know. It was um, north, I think. Wasn't? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Ver- Manchester's further south. Okay. I think it was northern Vermont. I didn't. I yeah. thought about that, but I hadn't looked. Yeah, into Manchester's it yet. only like forty minutes from New York. Because my niece, my niece lives up there, but unfortunately, I think she or unfortunately she was in California. When that happened, what was it, like last week, right? Last week or the week before, yeah, week yeah something like that. Do, so. Yeah, that's some crazy stuff. What are your thoughts on the fi- fishing industry today, like where we sit right now? 
for me, I mean, I think, I think the cosmetic part of fishing, of, of, of custom fishing rods will stay. You know, it almost, sometimes I feel like I want to become a vendor of the products, of the, of the components, because I think it's slowly going to start deteriorating and go away, you know. Maybe I'm just the one that's going to go away eventually. <laughs> but I think that, that part of fishing is going away. The custom. I, the the custom. custom part, yeah. 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 Too many people are just picking and buying just market stuff, just open commercial fishing stuff. Yeah. So it's, it, I might be wrong. Maybe I am. You know, I've always heard San Antonio had, you know, somebody would, I'd have a client, and you heard this guy, you heard of this guy. Oh, he lives here in San Antonio. I was like, I've never heard of any of these guys. You know, they've heard of me or, you know, you know or somebody would send them. Saying, yeah, and then I still get guys that I've never heard of you. And that's kind of a, to me, that's my biggest applause to myself because I've always wanted to stay low key, you know, pretty quiet. You know, getting me out here tonight doing this is pretty crazy. You know, probably, and I didn't even drink before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty to myself. But um, yeah, I think um, you know, the, you know so, some of these guys have just gotten to where they're either they start building, and they they just they think they can do the the time. But if you're not doing it full time, you know, it's it's really hard. I think you know, because I get guys saying, hey. I, so-and-so's building me a rod, can, but I'm going to go pick it up and bring it to you. It's like, hey, you know, I don't want to cause a conflict. And one, I don't know the guy. But you make sure it's cool with him before you do it because I'm not bringing, I'm not trying to take his business, you know, but it's just because if you're not doing it full-time, it's a hard thing to, you know, if you're working a full-time job, you're not going to go home and, you know, start building a rod somewhere when you got to take your kid to Little League practice or something like that. And I did that. You know, I took my kids to Little League practices. But for the fact that I did is, you know, and I, you know, I don't go home and work nine to five. I work nine to two, five to three, five to six, and then back, you know, nine to eight. And then when I leave here, I'm gonna go back home and, and epoxy rod before I go to bed. So, you know, it's a twenty four seven job. Yeah, yeah. It's constantly every time you <laughs> yeah. every free time. And that's the problem with doing it at the house. You know, when yeah. you have a, you know, a home based business. Well, and that's you, the you problem don't walk with away from it. The know? the one thing is the epoxy, right? Because yeah. you got to do what you probably do two coats of epoxy. Yeah, you do two coats of epoxy, and right now I'm trying to get stuff pushed. And out. you have to wait for them to rotate for so long, so it's going to be like you know, oh, it's only going to take me 15 minutes to put epoxy on, but then I got to wait yeah, however many hours yeah. for that to dry for me to put another coat on. Yeah. So there's probably like all those little things that. Now right now, I got four rods turning. Those will come off, and I'm going to put another three on before I hit out. You know, yeah. Bit, so, yeah, it's just a constant. And that's the part of the rod building. That take, you know, it only takes me three hours to build a rod if I did it, if I could do it all at one time. Yep. But the process takes you four or five days, you know, and to, to get to the to the epoxy time, and then that's another two days. Yep. You know, so depending if it's a big, you know, a big offshore rod or something, that's a little longer. Those three coats, so you got to let them all dry, get them get, you know, hard and. Then shipping out is a, the, whole, the whole different animal too. And then you got to ship stuff out. So, because I bet some of your rods are one piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them are not one piece, and it's you know they're all seven foot, and shipping's gotten expensive. And you know you put it on the client, but it's still a, it's still it's a lot of money. You know, you're mm-hmm. charging you know four hundred something plus bucks for a spinning rod to go to Connecticut, plus another fifty bucks just to ship it there. What's yeah. what's your wait time right now? If I ordered a rod from you right now, how long would it take for me to get you it? You or anybody else? No, no, anybody. but just pretend <laughs> like pretend like me. he's not your buddy. I mean, I'll get mine tomorrow. But. <laughs> I, right now, I, I generally, 
About three weeks. Is oh, that's not bad at all. But no. that's actually because I want money. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking that somebody's going to owe me money. I want money. So. You got to go pay those expensive <laughs> grocery bills yeah. we were talking gotta, about. You know, that's why, you know, you got to have the mentality. If you're going to do it full time, you work. You yeah. know, you constantly work because, you know, it's not a hobby. Yeah. You know? You're not doing it just to look good. You're doing it to make money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I said, I'm not rich, but, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good career. My wife might say otherwise, you know. <laughs> You're the supplement to her ink. <laughs> yeah, I'm the supplement. <laughs> I might be a supplement to something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what does your wife think about your uh, rod building and all, all that? I don't know. We've been married 31, 31 years. Yeah, 31 years. <coughs> and she doesn't, I don't think she'd care what I did. Because when we first met, I was a, a contract painter for the government. You know, so I don't think she cared. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. You know, she knew I fished. I mean, back then when we met, you know, I had shark fish, so that was the extreme of of what I would did. But yeah, the rod building just fell in, and it was fine. Now it also helped us raise our kids at home. You know, my kids didn't have to go to daycare. You know, I also raised them and you know ran them around when they were young. Yeah. You know, because then when she'd get home from, she was a hairdresser, which still is. You know, we owned our own business and stuff. So when she'd get home, you know, she'd take over, but not really. But that's why then I'd work. Yeah. You know, the, the schedules were just made the schedules work. Yeah. Whatever yeah. Else, so. But, yeah, it, it's worked out pretty good, you know. If someone wanted to order a rod from you or have you build a rod, what's the process look like? What do they, do they need to reach out? How do they reach out to you? And It seems like right now everybody just loves texting me, which is fine for me, you know. It's, you know it's all my, I think my last eight orders have just been a text. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, haven't, yeah. I haven't talked to a person in a long time. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's either coming in through a messenger, you know, through Instagram or through my own, you know, just my own number through a text, but it's been pretty crazy but you know we go over the process of you know what they need what they're looking for like right now i got a lot of uh, clients coming out of connecticut because my nephew's a guide up there and he fishes of course he got lucky marrying my niece because he you know he got into i only have one son so it kind of became my my next son and i loaded his boat with custom rods you know because i knew he was guiding and so he sends me clients and all his all his guide people he takes fishing mm-hmm. want rods too. Yeah, so. they they fish that yeah, rod. They fish they're that like, rod, oh so. man. So like, it's it's, and it's, easy, it's an easy they deal for. They'll call me like, hey, I fished this rod with Bobby the other day. What do you think? I said, well, yeah, I can get you one this and that, and you know, give me three weeks and I get it to you. <laughs> you know, so you know that part of it. You know, we might have a conversation, but usually it's just a text. Yeah, it's just a text, and it's kind of impersonal. But I still, when it comes down to it, I'll still give them that call, talk to them. Especially when it comes to what the like price. What they, yeah, oh, I just don't yeah. show them the price. Here, it's going to be 500 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll explain it to them. This is what you're getting. Yeah. You know, this is what we're going to do. If you have anything special, you know, handle-wise, you know, a rod you like that you already have that you maybe you want it to just be similar. Right. You know, we'll do that, too. Or names. You know, what names you want. But names, I'll tell them, text me the name. Because I don't want to, you know, I've only misspelled a name once wrong in my whole career. Uh-huh. You know, and that, that was the worst. Well, you I, know, I fixed it, it yeah. but you know, and back then it was it was crazy how I fixed it because back then we used to use those old vinyl letters and put it in the actual decorative wrap, uh-huh. like in between like the the, the share rounds there was a diamond created, so we would put a name in there, so it was misspelled wrong. Yeah, so I was either tear everything apart or go in there and dig out those little letters. Yeah, and then epoxy and then put the new letter. So the newer one, the newer one looked more dimensional. 
You know, because they had yeah. <laughs> six layers of fox. Yeah. 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 You know, but it worked. Yeah. But after that, it's like, nope, we got to make find make the process sure to make sure every everything single time. is right. Yes. I don't want to do that again. You know, but after that, we went into handwriting. Yeah. You know, I was always really good at handwriting, but now I've gone into actual labels. You know, I've kind of gotten a little more modern and gotten into label making and yeah. stuff like that. So. So you're telling me if I ordered a rod, you wouldn't handwrite Bimini on there? No. Oh, that's a label right that's there? That's a label. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, it looks the good, four weights written yeah. now. Yeah, okay, the four yeah, weights. Okay. I want mine handwritten, dude. Oh, well, you can have them. Okay. <laughs> Extra. <laughs> <laughs> I got and it wasn't because, I mean, I can write it that good, too. Yeah, but while well, looking at the four weight, it, it matches pretty good. Yeah. It does, yeah. But I, I just don't know why. I just, I just, well, actually, what I know why is the inks. I don't know what happened with what happened before COVID and after COVID, but it's like I couldn't find the right inks anymore. Yeah, you know this you know, Marshall. I mean, not Marshalls. Uh, Michaels didn't have them anymore. Hobby Lobby didn't have them no more. And get on Amazon, couldn't find them. It's like you know what happened to them. So that white one is a you actually one that I didn't know at that time. I wrote a name down, and I have a habit of, of doing this and trying to you know, get yeah. a little lint off or something. Uh-huh. Well, I did that, and the whole thing came off. <laughs> oh I was my! Like, what the well, I didn't know that it wasn't waterproof. Yeah, you know everything else used to be waterproof. So I'm like, well, shit, I learned something. Yeah, but wow. uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. When I order my rod, handwritten. Handwritten. <laughs> I guess maybe I got to put include that now. That's fine. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I've been wanting an epic fiberglass rod for a long time now, so I might just order the blank and then. Yeah, we can build it up. for Have you. you build it for me? We can do that. Yeah, we'll go through so. the process of. Maybe I'll have a whole written form for you or something by that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I even have a, a a guy that that I talk to a lot on Instagram. He's a, a rod builder from California, and we were talking one time discussing on how he does everything on the computer, uh-huh. and I do everything still on p- pad and paper. Yeah. You know. And what's your filing system like? I said, I said, I got a filing cabinet. <laughs> then, my, then my wife wants me to get out of, out of the, the bedroom, you know. Yeah, I still got papers and you know, stuck the papers in the filing cabinet. says, you don't do nothing on, you know, databases. Like, hell no. You know? When, when, it, when it comes to designing, like, the or as far as the wraps and stuff goes, has anybody ever told you, like, run with it? Like, you do what you think looks good and well, I trust not you? Nowadays, but you can't do that because of the Internet. You know, everybody will go to a... Either it's called the the NURBS website or a mm-hmm. Southern Rod Builders website, and, the, and and go look at everybody's super eccentric wraps. Uh, no, I can do them. You know, I have no problem. I'm yeah, I'm just as talented as they are. You want to pay for that right. is the question, right? Because something like that, I mean, I call basic, but it's still a pretty nice wrap, right? But that's basic. Yeah, that's basic. But oh, the eccentric stuff, you really get into a lot more detail. I have mm-hmm. to actually take more time to like work measurements, right? And, and you know. Perfect precision points and stuff like that, and that costs more. You right. know, my time is very important. Mm. <laughs> That's <laughs> but right. No, you know, no but it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But no, I mean, it, but like I said, there's some people take 19 hours to build. Yeah, around. that's crazy. I couldn't do that. You know, number one, I couldn't do that. Period. No, spend that much time on, on anything. No, but uh, Ex- unless I'm trimming streamers, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, you can you can get online. I have people say, oh, "Can you do that?" And yes, I can. You know, but this is, you know, usually at the, that point, if they really want is like 30 bucks an inch. Mm-hmm. 30 bucks an inch wow. on, a, you know, on, on a 10 inch, that's yeah, $300 that's just for the decorative wrap. Yeah. And they're like, that, you're crazy. So, well, get it from that guy and see what he tells you. There's not going to be no less than that. You can wrap mine with Band-Aids. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, I mean, all that stuff looks great. You know, it's beautiful stuff. It's, you know, you know, and all you know, more power to them. You know, I hope they keep doing it because... 
uh, I'm just not. There's not where I've ever been. You know, some guys yeah. are pretty, and the guy, a lot of like the California guys, they don't do nothing. They still get five, six. Of course, they're in California. They still get five, six hundred dollars a rod, but th- they wrap the guys and put a one different colored thread, and that's it. Sure. Mm. But uh, yeah, but it's just the way it is. You know, some guys like a lot of stuff. Some guys don't. Do you have a website? No, I don't. Uh, my, I used to have one. I've thought about it in the last couple of months of rebuilding one, so I'll probably be looking for. Website designer soon one day. Anybody knows anybody? <laughs> Go daddy. Go daddy. Go daddy. Yeah. That's how you buy it. Maybe you'll somebody yeah. will trade oh. services with you. Maybe somebody yeah, will build you a well, website. That's what, that's what I used to do. You know, for back, uh, when, for when, some when, custom yeah. rods. Back when I did have a, rod, uh, a website, that's what we did. We're, I had a buddy of mine that built it up and, and served it forever. But then he said, I'm out of this business and went off doing something else. I said, well, I guess my website's gone. So I'll let it go. But I, we, we're on Facebook. You know, Bimini Rods on Facebook and, of course, Instagram. And that's about it. I usually don't do nothing on TikTok. I don't have too much to show. I'm not as fancy as a fly tire. You mean yeah. you don't you don't dance while you're wrapping your no. rods? No. No, yeah, I see damn. some of those guys. And I, and I tell my wife, like, do I look like that? Because, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I'd really like to do, and we talked about this at Trout Fest, is doing a um, uh, Cribs video. Okay. Come by and, like, check out your we'll, – oh, we'll yeah. come out and we'll film, you like, your rod shop yeah, and, yeah. like – you working on rods and stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool. Yep. Just let me know because i got a hell of a clean one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, Actually, we'll let you know. i got a lot of clean up to do because my son left. You know, finally. Finally got reassigned and took off today. So, yeah, he, uh, he goes in there and makes a mess for me. He'll bring all his equipment in there. It used to be fun when he was there working because he'd work and tie flies. So it, was, it looked like a fishing shop still. But now he just brought, he brought home a brand new bow and Oh, an arrow and all kinds of stuff. I was like, what the hell is all this? Yeah. And my grandson's going through it. I was like, hey, uh, you don't want to be playing with that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to retire? Are you just, you going to roll? No. No. I'm going to roll into the dirt. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. 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 We don't, guys like this don't retire. You know, we just keep going. You know, so that's a good thing. You know, but it's funny, like I tell my wife, you know, most guys start it when they're, like I said, when they're already older. So, you know, they, you know, they're not gonna fade away. They're gonna, you know, have a good time doing it. I'm still having a good time doing it, but yeah, whenever no retirement plans for me. You know, I actually enjoy getting up and doing it. You know, I don't know. I really can't see me doing anything else. You know. Yeah. Not right now. You know, but I, I do. You I, couldn't see yourself like sleeping in a little bit later. Uh, you mean you don't want to go back to work for Bass Pro? <laughs> Fishing a little bit more, maybe like that waking last, up. That was the only time I woke up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I didn't wake up that early to go fishing, you know. But uh, no, uh, unless somebody needs me, I could go work for somebody, I guess. Nope. I think most rock builders I've known have just faded away, just taken off. Yeah. Go do the walkabout. Don't come back. Hopefully. Well, cool, David. Well, uh, we're going to link everything in the description of this podcast. So people want to order a rod from you. Hopefully you get some orders. Oh yeah, from this so. podcast, and then we really appreciate you donating a rod. Well, no problem for yeah, us, and I know even more than us appreciating it, Real Recovery appreciates it because your rod is probably going to pay for some one person to go on a retreat. Oh, cool! So um, I know that that's that that's going to be much appreciated. They're not going to know it, but that you pay yeah. for their spot ultimately. Yeah. But they're you know every guy that goes out there and does this, they are. You know, it's a life-changing event for them. So we appreciate you making the donation, and I know that they appreciate it after they go on the retreat. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep. 
All right, guys. Y'all got anything else? I think that's it. Okay. I guess this is a good time to announce that I'm going to be starting a uh, business called Bikini Rods. Bikini <laughs> <laughs> Rods. <laughs> we'll start building rods. That that's what I think. Like I tell my wife, if, if I could show more bikinis on my rod pages, then I'd, <laughs> I'd, hey, probably, have I a, I'd probably have a lot more followers. I bet we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I've got I a TikTok idea for you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'll manage it. Let's do this. We'll I'll be put, the photographer. No, no, How no, about no, no, that? no. We'll put Zach in a bikini, Ooh, yeah, yeah, and we'll have yeah. him you model your rods. Yeah. You don't want that. I think we should get Cliff in a bikini. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. David, thank you for joining us. Sure. Really appreciate thank it. You. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Peace. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.